0: Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leaving a legacy.
1: Magic is powerful.
0: Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your Legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mister Jerry. Me, what is up, Jerry?
1: Oh, not much, Pat. Not much. Uh, busy, busy, busy.
0: Yeah, man, it's crazy, crazy busy week. Um, preparing for the Leaving Legacy tournament. Trying to play a little bit of magic here and there. Getting our stream on. I know you've been busy uh, playing some magic too. So it's been uh, it's been quite a week, man.
1: It has. It has. I have infinite more respect for tournament organizers uh, (laughs) after this series of months because this is exhausting, but it's all going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth it next week. Yeah,
0: Yeah, for sure. It's going to be super awesome. I can't wait uh, for Saturday to roll around. So this is going to be released on Friday, which means tomorrow is the inaugural Leaving a Legacy 5K at Gaming, etc.,
1: Yes, sir. And fortunately we're just so busy with everything else going on. We didn't have much time to put together a full-fledged episode this week. So we're just gonna do some quick updates with you guys and uh play an episode from our vaults to uh kind of hold you over. But don't worry, there is gonna be a ton of leaving a legacy comments uh content tomorrow uh this is going to come out friday leaving a legacy tournament is going to be tomorrow saturday and uh we're all going to put it all up on uh, our new youtube channel right pat
0: yes yep yep you'll be able to visit youtube.com slash leaving legacy i believe uh we're going to try to have uh, the vod's on there i'm going to try to break them up by match as well so they're searchable so you, if there's a certain matchup you want to see or a certain person you want to watch um we're going to have that available for you
1: Yep. Uh plus we got our friend Zach Targon. I mean, some people call him Turgen, but I mean it's it's Tar <laughs> it's Targon in our in our hearts. Uh he put together some awesome deck techs for us that we're going to use in between rounds of the tournament itself, but we'll also throw those up on there if you want to Kind of get caught up with uh, some of the different flavors of legacy decks available. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we got we got so much fun. Should we want, let's just do kind of a rundown of what we got planned for, uh, you know, tomorrow when this episode comes out. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, we got a lot going on. So we obviously have the 5K, so that will be streaming. Uh, the registration for the tournament starts at 10 a.m., I believe, which means round one should start right around 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, yeah. So 8 a.m. for you West Coasters.
1: And depending on how many people show up, might go until one in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. It's like if if we get blown out here, like we're expecting around two hundred people to show up, but if like four hundred people show up, we have the seating for it. But it's like this is a one day tournament. We got to get this done today.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be serious, man. We have a lot going on. Um, really, really excited. Uh. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, man, I, I just I'm, I'm a little nervous uh, doing coverage for, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 rounds is going to be a lot.
1: Yeah, in a um, suit because you're wearing in, a suit, Pat, right? I'll probably do a shirt and tie. <laughs> you're, I'm bringing you a suit. I hope oh, you know God.
0: this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um so yeah, it should be a really good time. Uh we have some uh great people, some friends of ours who offer to be our gunslingers for the tournament. Jerry, who are our gunslingers this weekend?
1: Yeah, we got our friends Adam Wallace, Tom Smiley, Zach Targon, aka Turgeon, <laughs> and Brian B. R. I N Cook. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. it's gonna be great. Uh, we'll we'll throw them up on some feature matches as well. But uh, yeah, they're gonna be gunslinging. So if uh, any of our illustrious tournament attendees are able to take them down, they'll win some uh, some booster packs of uh, Masters Twenty Five.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be sweet. We, if, and if we run out, we'll figure something else out. We'll have another. Uh... Another set of uh, of, of packs for people.
1: Uh, Tom Tom was was saying, like, uh, should I do well and, like, do well or, like, do bad and bankrupt you? (laughs) Uh,
0: We also have – so between rounds we were a little concerned because sometimes there's some downtime. Like if your feature matches finish up early and you don't have – like a, a, a we're gonna have standby feature matches, obviously, so that we have you know content just in case, but you know there's, sometimes there's 10 15 minutes around between rounds to burn. um so our friend Zach Turgeon is actually also going to be doing some awesome deck techs for us, uh video deck techs, he's going to have them recorded for us. We can slap those right in between rounds, so we get to see deck text by Zach Turgeon, who's a fantastic uh legacy player and an awesome guy, and thanks so much, Zach, for helping us out with that. yeah,
1: hell, yeah. Uh, plus, Wilson's going to be a move. We already mentioned that, but we're also going to be debuting uh, his Cardboard Live features. So hopefully there should be some uh, kind of cool overlays uh, tr- that just kind of makes the you know streaming and viewing experience a lot better. Uh, we're going to have like deck list displayed and all that. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's the trial run of that. So uh, I don't think anyone other than, you know, really Wilson and his team uh, know fully what, what can beheld with this uh this new program but I'm excited to kind of find out what it can do. Mhm. Yeah, it's going to be super sweet. Uh plus uh we got the raffle for the Dominaria box that uh, Nanchika de- donated for us, so we're going to we're going to pull that live on air and then also we're going to use it to kick off uh the raffle for the Savannah and Chalice of the Void that Michael Ames donated for us. Uh, and then, you know, all those are going to benefit the, uh, you know, Children's Organ Organ Transplant of America for Wesley. So I'm uh, going to get those kicked out, so stay tuned for the stream for that if you want to, you know, see who wins the Dominaria box and how to get in on the Savannah and Chalice of the Void raffle. Um, those are both up on the Leaving Legacy Facebook page. If you want to get in some, uh, you know, last-minute uh, tickets for those, feel free. Yep. We're also going to have some on-air
0: trivia. Uh, and what's our reward? For, so for people who are getting the trivia... Uh, We're going to have some really cool, I I wouldn't say legacy-specific, but certainly legacy-focused trivia. And uh, what's the reward for people who answered that correctly, Jerry?
1: Oh, yeah. So our friend Lincoln over at Top Decked uh, donated some sweet premium membership codes. So um, I got a bunch of one-year free premium membership codes, and he actually gave me, for the grand prize, Pat, I have one lifetime Unexpirable premium membership code. Hey, Jerry,
0: let me, let me get that code, man.
1: (laughs) I mean, we have, we have several one year codes, (laughs) but now we got, we're going to do that for the grand prize. And, uh, that's sweet. Um, you know basically just i mean top deck is an awesome free app, but it has a lot of kind of sweet uh you know paid features uh so you know this way you can kinda of get get a little taste of that uh that premium primo stuff <laughs> uh and Pat, I'm kind of excited we just you know <laughs> we're we're just we're setting up for uh for the event and we' kind of noticed something on on Gaming, etc. shells that caught yeah, your eye, so Pat.
0: We <laughs> always talk about how gaming Etc. has just like the dopest stuff in stock all the time. And we're, we're walking around and we see a, uh, well, it's an old box set and it's not like the gift boxes that you can buy nowadays, like the holiday gift boxes magic has, but it is a box set and it is like a gift box set. It's one of the old revised, uh, like starter deck gift box sets. They're basically like two yeah. starter decks stuffed inside with some glass beads and, uh, some mail away stuff and uh, a, a felt bag for your glass <laughs> I,
1: I was actually looking and the box itself just the empty box is now more expensive than the MSRP of all the contents when it was first printed <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but,
1: That's amazing. But yeah, it's got it's got like a uh, little felt bag like emblazoned with uh the Magic the Gathering logo and like that just that bag itself is worth money just because wow. everything's a collectible but kind of the real cream of the crop is it comes with two revised starter decks.
0: Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. Um, the variance on uh, opening these is pretty high. We I think, are, I think like, you 90% like 30...
1: guaranteed to be destroying value here.
0: Right. Like, you have a 33% <laughs> chance of opening a dual Land. Uh, but considering how much money we spent on it, it's going to have to be a UC or bust, I think. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> like a volt.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But honestly, we're doing it. Honestly, part of it is we saw it and we're like, oh, we need to we need to free those those cards We need we need to get those out there. I
1: I was a firm believer. I don't know if I ever told you this, Pat, but when I was a child and I saw Toy Story, Toy Story one in theaters, um, you know, I took that to heart, and uh, I don't think that's ever really left me. Uh, Toys are alive, Pat, and these (laughs) poor poor cards have been sitting in the dark all alone for the past twenty five years. We need the the
0: stinky prospector locked away inside his box, not able to play. Exactly.
1: We need we need to set them free
0: yeah so uh cards are meant to be played with collectors are terrible for the game. we're gonna crack this goddamn box we're gonna set these cards free and if we if we open up some duels, you know what we're not gonna do is we're not going to get it graded and stuck underneath some plastic we're gonna double sleeve that bitch and get it out on the on the playmats.
1: I know I know right so also this will
0: be the uh inaugural debut of our new leaving legacy playmat as well Jerry it is that playmat we've posted up, so people have seen it for sure, but they are gorgeous i was I was very, very surprised how awesome they came out.
1: Yeah, they are sweet. I'm excited for them. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, we're also going to uh, talk to Michelle, who's our TO at Gaming, etc., and we're going to be running side events as well at the as, at the uh, tournament. I don't know exactly what the format of them is going to be. I'm sure they'll be legacy-centric. Uh, I had suggested like 8-Man box, which are, like I think, favorites of, of most players, but we'll see what she has cooked up. She knows better than I do what players want to have, but... Uh, Looks like we'll have side events going on as well, which is a good suggestion from one of our listeners, uh, Jeremy Tibbetts, who uh, said, hey, you know, for the people who go 0-2, like, side events are always a nice thing, especially if you're traveling from far away away, so uh, we'll have some side events for sure for those players who uh, scrub out early but still want to play some awesome games.
1: I liked Adam's suggestion with the revised box pat that we uh we just do some head to head play because it's two starter decks. You know, as Richard Garfield intended, they were meant to just be shuffled up and played right out of the box. <laughs> I saw
0: a review of someone who had opened these and like one deck had four forests but also a force of nature, and the other deck had like had like three islands and then like some uncastable blue creature. So yeah. It's gonna be awesome.
1: <laughs> it's gonna go it's gonna go like a lot of draw go. <laughs>
0: There's a chance that, like, if uh, that we take these decks and uh, maybe, maybe at another a later date, we'll set up another leaving legacy stream and we'll just smash these decks together and have some fun with it.
1: Yeah, or or maybe I'll just you know purposely throw a bunch a string of like combo mirror matches on so we have some downtime.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: so it should be pretty great. Um, I'm really excited for it. We've put in a lot of work in this tournament. We were actually there this past weekend. Uh, setting up some of the stuff trying to man glare sleeve glare is a nightmare we are going to do our best to make sure it looks great um we're we're calibrating new cameras and all kinds of stuff so i'm really excited i'm hoping that the finished product is what we are pushing for what we've worked really hard for um and i just hope that people get a chance to check out the stream and and watch these awesome east coasters play some magic
1: man hell yeah um, well, we should, uh, we should wrap this up, cuz We got some other stuff to take care of, but, uh, we're going to play an episode, uh, from our vaults from you guys. Um, I get, do you want to do quick scoops and poops, Pat? Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Jared, you have a quick, uh, scoop and poop this week?
1: Uh, I I got so uh, I played a little magic this weekend at game etc from Friday and uh, I just needed a scoop in Billy even though I can't say why but uh he debuted some spicy spicy hot tech for Storm in our matchup and he like made me swear a vow of silence <laughs> so like I'm not allowed to tell anyone what it is but it was it was super sweet and I really appreciated the uh the spice but uh, is it I, I, Gravestone? It's not Silent Gravestone. <laughs> it, it's, it's you. I guarantee you you would never guess this car, but it is so awesome, and uh, I, w- I was excited to see it. But uh,
0: oh, I can't wait!
1: Yeah, hopefully he debuts it soon because I guess he's been like going like four zero drop on Magic Online to keep it secret.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Release the spice. The uh, spice must flow.
1: I know the spice must flow. So Billy, uh, gotta get that out there, man. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: what about you, Pat? Uh, this week
0: I want to scoop in Tom Hep. Uh, he lent me the cards for Legacy Dredge and we got a chance to play a few games uh, last Thursday I believe uh, we went uh, measly 1-2 which wasn't great our, our we did win our third game uh, our third match rather uh, in pretty convincing fashion versus Black Red Reanimator um, we had uh, well so scoop to Tom for, for staying on stream with me and, and having fun and uh, I've definitely punted away a few hands, and and it was uh, a really really fun to learn the deck. I'll be streaming that again sometime this week. Um, and then my poop also related to the matches of, of Dredge. Uh, I just want to poop on uh, playing Dredge for multiple games where we had to mull to four or five cards, which is just miserable, even for LED Dredge, which we were playing. Um, it was uh, there were some some places we got into where we're just like, well, we can't keep this hand. Well, this six is worse. This five is borderline aggressively four, well, i guess we have to keep this and then just playing from there so we definitely had some hands that were that were real poops um but the games were still fun the games are still uh, interactive and man if you don't have silent gravestones pick them up if you're playing dredge they are a house for sure the fact i was able to play dredge and beat uh black red animator i thought spoke a lot about the card yeah hey that's impressive yeah um awesome was there anything else we wanted to go over before we got out of here
1: uh, yeah, but not for our listeners. Pat, we got, we got, we got the the organization to do.
0: Right, right, right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see you all on Saturday. Uh, it's gonna be a great time. Please jump in the Twitch chat, uh, get on Twitch, let all your friends know we're streaming, and uh, let's make this really successful. I'm really hoping we have a great uh, 5K at Gaming, etc.
1: Hell yeah! It's gonna be a blast. Yes.
0: All right, we love you guys. We'll see you all on Saturday.
1: Woo!
0: Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your Legacy newbie with me this week. As always, Mr. Jerry and me. What's going on, Jerry? Uh, I'm super excited for tonight's cast, Pat. Yes, yeah, this is going to be a great one. We have a, an extra special guest on. Uh, can't wait to introduce him. But first, I just want to tell you guys about HipsterTheCoast.com. Uh, You know, Hipsters brings you Leaving a Legacy every Friday. You can check them out for a ton of uh, Legacy content, Commander content, all kinds of stuff on the site. Um, you can also visit patreon.com slash leaving if you want to support the show directly. Uh, for a little, as little as a dollar an episode, you can help the show a ton. Uh, we were just able to invest in some really, really great studio equipment. Um, Jerry hasn't gotten his yet, but I, I have his stuff in my house. Uh, <laughs> and this, so- this, of course, is the week where my, my voice is given out, and so I've been trying not to talk all day. But since I have two small children, I'm constantly repeating myself over and over and over again, so... Did I get to rest my voice? I sound like I sound terrible. Hopefully, the mic's not picking too much of it up.
1: No, I love that we got brand new mics with top quality recording uh, quality, and it's just gonna record that.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Basically, have two Jerry's on the cast tonight. Uh, Ah, thanks. Um, (laughs) uh, But you know, for a little little dollar episode, uh, you can support the show. We have really awesome rewards. We have stickers and play mats. Uh, shout outs and a ton of stuff. We have the discord chat now as well. So check it out. The link is in the show notes. Um, so I am really, really excited to introduce you guys, uh, this week to Gavin Vera. Hey, Gavin, how you doing, man?
3: I'm doing fantastic and excited to be on the show. Woo, you guys are pumped, you guys pumped? So pumped can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. So pumped. I've got my abrupt decays ready. Let's do this thing.
0: So so we were lucky enough. We're playing to- legacy, right? That's what's happening. Yes, I yes. Brought, brought my tech. Hopefully we're ready to go.
3: That's
0: uh, a good card. Good card. Good yeah. choice. <laughs> we we were lucky. Lo- it's just
3: sixty abrupt decays. It's not illegal, but I'm really hoping can't, really hoping I get some mana can't, somewhere. I can't
1: cast all of them, but I'm guaranteed to draw abrupt decay. <laughs>
3: Uh, Good thing
1: everyone's playing counterbalance these days, know, right? right? No problem. Man, you're on the cusp no of, of the meta. Man, I'm really impressed. <laughs> yeah. this is what happens oh, we're just when in you the future-future
3: future league over here. We're, we're playing the next, the next meta. <laughs> this
0: is what happens when you get into Wizards. You, you get behind the times, Gavin. It's all about death
3: or or like the times. <laughs> You guys see You guys are behind the times. Yeah. I'm in the future. Yeah, I mean, of course,
1: of the, course. The legacy future-future league, which in my heart of hearts, I hope, is in the uh, deepest, darkest <laughs> corner of Wizards of the Coast. <laughs>
3: So, do you want me to tell a story about the Future Future League? Oh, please, yeah. Right? yeah. So, uh, in case viewers, uh, you haven't, or viewers because you view a podcast apparently, <laughs> um, if you haven't figured it out, I work at Wizards of the Coast. I'm a game designer there. And um, one of the things that we do is we test future sets because hopefully it's important that our, our game is balanced. And we have what's called the Future Future League, or the FFL for short. This is where we play test upcoming sets. It's usually about a year and a half ahead, or so, year to year and a half ahead. So, you know, right now we're playing through what set? Spaghetti. Spaghetti. (laughs) So, which is about a year away from now. Um, It's delicious. I can I can attest. I
1: I believe it's on spaghetti, but go on.
3: (laughs) Oh, or 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 as uh, my searches show up at work spa block, um, because only the first three letters are the ones that that show up. Anyway, so it's called the Future Future League, and you might wonder. Why, Gavin? The Future Future League. Why is it called the Future Future League? Like I would understand one future, but why two? Well, um, humble listener, that's because many years ago, back in the day, when someone decided that you should be play testing Magic cards, we created what was called the Future League. And the Future League was playing everything plus the the basically the real world standard. They were, they were playing real world standard plus one future set, and they realized very quickly. That, that didn't matter because they're only playing sets that were actually done, so they couldn't actually make any modifications to fix standard. So they're like, "Well, we need to make it go out further. We need to, you know, push it out by three sets." And thus, the future, future league was born. And that's how we got this ridiculous naming convention. <laughs> so that's in so you, for all of our playtesting. So testing. you guys are
1: like, "All right, we did all this play testing, and all these cards are utterly broken. We can't release them." It's like, oh, we already sent them to the printer. They're they're, they're hot off yeah. the presses."
3: <laughs> you know, I, now this might come as a shock to you. You might be very surprised. But the future league happened around uh, Urza block. Oh. You know, to take some take some guesses. <laughs> From my
1: memory, Urza block was a very well balanced set. There was nothing broken in that set. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, it's my. Fi- I think it's the w- most well balanced enchantment block we've ever done. Yeah,
1: exactly. No the problem. enchantment theme block, what it's most well known for. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, I mean, haven't you used Sarah Sanctum? Your opponents, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's great. It's true.
1: It's true. Hey, sees Legacy play. <laughs> it does. I, yeah, I played. Oh, that card. Sarah that Sanctum card is deck, wonderful. Uh, at SCG Worcester a few months back, that was all lay lines in Sarah Sanctum. It was sweet. God, if you think that cycle is so broken, because that cycle was Sarah Sanctum, which you know doesn't see a lot of Legacy play, but does see some
3: an Gaia... Enchantress, it's it, yeah, crazy. It's an, yeah,
1: it's like the linchpin of Enchantress. Uh, Gaia's Cradle, which mm-hmm. sees a ton of Legacy play, granted yeah, just because Elves is more is more uh, popular than Enchantress. And then the other card in the cycle was like Tolarian Academy, a card that is just banned in Legacy for just being <laughs> ridiculously broken. It's like, this was one cycle! <laughs> yeah,
3: that was pretty awesome. Whoa, 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 guys, come on. You're missing the other two cards of the cycle.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly forget what they are. Was Shivan Gorge one of them? <laughs>
3: Can you guess what the other two cards in the cycle are in this powerhouse?
1: I want to say Cabal Coffers was the ideological finishing of the cycle, because the black one, I think, was just terrible. Uh, no, I cannot. Can you, Pat? Pass. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer.
3: <laughs> just just a hard no on, on that one there.
0: That was just about the time I was getting out of Magic. Uh, like, I had played all through, like... 97 98 99 and then i was getting like into high school i'm like uh like finishing up high school i kind of put down magic and didn't come back to it after that so the urza's block i'm not super familiar with
3: wait so when did you start playing i started
0: playing i want to say 1997 i remember my first sets being like ice age um i want to say i remember getting a lot of Sixth edition tempest those are the sets that i kind of like recall like playing on the floor with my best friend eric
3: well, in case you were in case you're wondering, um, just to, to finish this, I didn't want to leave our listeners hanging. <laughs> I'm, I'm the powerhouses in, in, in the cyclar. So, of course, you've got Sarah's Sanctum, I just Gaia's Cradle, up the answers, and feel bad for not t- it. <laughs> Tol- Tolarian Academy, which, as we all know, are these insane lands that give you extra mana. Yeah. So, the natural way to do it, <laughs> this is, comparing these cards, so funny to me. Would you rather have Gaia's Cradle, which gives you a mana for every creature you control? Or, let me tell you about this bargain, you could have Phyrexian Tower, which lets you sacrifice a creature for two mana. <laughs>
1: hey, hey, it sees play in Nick Fit, because it combos with uh, uh, Veteran Explorer. It does, <laughs> it does seem play. And, but I do see your point.
3: <laughs> and if you thought Phyrexian Tower was hot stuff, wait till we you get your hand right. on, that's right, you named, oh, you you named it, Shiven Gore. The most
1: embarrassing, in. Embarrassing member of that cycle. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just say, Gavin, that when Ixalan was being spoiled, I was talking to my friends about the Fliplands, uh, the Legendary Lands um, cycle, and we were waiting for the red one to be spoiled. And my friend just looks at me, just so disheartened, just like with a tear in his eye, and he goes, "It's probably just going to be a remake of Shivan Gorge." <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, we made that. It's called Ramunap Ruins. You might have heard of it. It's pretty good. You, you know, the crazy part is, we look at we look at these five cards, right? And we're, like, beating up on Shiv and Gorge. We're like, you know, LOL, Shivan Gorge. Go, like, you know, hang out in the corner with, with your friends or whatever. But Shiv and Gorge would be, like, a, a standard playable card. Like, in a red deck, three, three yeah. tap for land deal of damage to your opponent. That's totally reasonable as a way to finish up games. Like I would play one or, one or two of these in a lot of my red yeah, like, decks. You know,
1: and yeah, and, a red splash it, you know, in the control it, deck? Totally doable.
3: And it's it's all just context, you know. It's like, well, yeah, obviously this this cheeseburger is way worse than this steak, but you know, it's it, this cheeseburger is probably better than eating cow dung, you know. So <laughs> you gotta you gotta pick you gotta pick your battles. It really,
1: it really, that's true. Because I mean, it's just not fair to compare Shivan Gorge, which is pay three mana to deal one damage, not even to a creature or player, just straight up a player.
3: That's hit all of your opponents. That's right? true. Not no, just no, one that's of commander.
1: <laughs> yeah deal one damage or talarian academy add you know all the mana to your mana pool just take over the game <laughs> uh it was it's it fun. was kind of it's a fun. bit of a rub in when uh shivan gorge was chosen as to be uh part of the from the vault
3: series <laughs> from the vault lands. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was that was the first from the vault that i worked on oh, um, sorry, but, in, but sorry <laughs> uh, no, no no but in my defense um the list was chosen by the time I got to it. I just wrote like the text for it basically. <laughs> um I, I so I that was had when From the Vault was passed off to me. So I wrote the text for that and the cards were already locked in. And then I did From the Vaults all the way up through From the Vault Angels. And then I passed that that off to Sam Stoddard. So I did what From the Vault Twenty. Ooh, that was and... I, I did
1: like From the Vault Twenty.
3: Yeah, and a couple others. But that, that was fun. Nice. <laughs>
0: So we got to meet you, Gavin, for the first time uh at Hascon, which was uh what, like a month and a half ago now? It seems like it was just yesterday. Um and you were around there obviously in uh, working with Wizards, but also cosplaying as as Jace, as you are wont to do from time to time. Um which was which was super sweet. And and, and Jerry and I have been singing the praises of both you and and Watsy on the cast, uh since we got a chance to go to Hascon and, and meet all you fine people. So I just wanted to say first of all, thank you for that.
1: Um,
3: oh, my pleasure. I mean, Hascon was an amazing event, and it was partially so cool because I got to meet all these different people mm-hmm. who, who, you know, came for this very Magic-focused thing. So meeting you guys and a bunch of the other Magic players was a total highlight.
0: Yeah, it's super awesome. Um, so I want to kind of just get into a little bit about you, first of all. Like, tell us a little bit about your, your Magic background, kind of how you discovered the game and, and things like that.
3: Yeah, totally. So I was playing, I, w- I was 10 years old, and I was playing another um, more, more juvenile card game at the time. And I went into a Wizards of the Ge- Coast game store back when those existed, oh, yeah. and um, <clears throat> you know to play play this other game. And um, my the, the storekeeper was trying came over to my mom and was like, Oh, you're, you know, your kid's really good at this. Have you guys considered magic? And so my mom's sitting there hemming and hawing over if uh, if she should buy magic for me or not. And she eventually goes, She's like, Gavin, do you think you would like this? Cue flashback sequence. Because <laughs> what, 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 my, what my mom didn't know is that for the past year and a half, on whatever f- computer internet search form existed back then, I asked Jeeves or, or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> That's um, a throwback. I would, yeah, I, I asked a lot of Jeeves. And actually, I've got an aside about that, but I, I won't interrupt my own story. <laughs> I don't um, – so – uh. What I've been doing for the past year and a half, like my secret time, like my parents weren't looking, was Googling something. And that was about magic. I was, or not googling. That's that's in the colloquial term. I was Jeevesing, I guess. Um, I was I was butlering, as it were, for these um, for magic cards. I was reading basically early websites about magic, what all the card types were. And I was just fascinated with like artifacts. Wow, that's so cool! And wow, these spells and this game looks so intense. And I go to the stores and see people playing. It, and it looks awesome. But man, my mom's never going to go for this. It's, you know, it's got thirteen plus on it. How am I, I going to do that? And um, so when I was ten, and she was like, "Hey, do you want to play this game?" Took took all my like cool like yeah, yeah mom i think i would try that out um <laughs> and so yeah she bought us a starter set i started playing right when invasion came out and um brought back home and me and my brother started playing and that was kind of it like we've lost hours in a good way to playing this and um basically non-stop we'd build (laughs) decks and play against each other and my brother and i were each other's metagame we were the people that that played we didn't we got our friends and do it eventually and had magic themed birthday parties but me and my brother were like the arch rivals and when we get together we still play sometimes and, and it's a lot of fun that's awesome
1: wow i didn't know you started an invasion I I, th- I would thought I just have this assumption that all Wizards players have been p- with Wizards since the beginning of time, even, like, <laughs> even though it's completely illogical. That's just my fantasy realm in my head that I believe.
3: <laughs> yes, I started playing Magic when I was three years old back in Beta. <laughs> yes, um, you know, I, I, here's a fun story. So Ken Nagel, a great designer at Wizards, literally came in through the Great Designer Search and um, also a senior designer led designed a lot of great sets. Um, when he came to work at Wizards, he got copies of all the Power Nine before coming to Wizards. And the reason why is because, in his mind, when he showed up, he didn't want to be the only person in R&D without copies of the Power Nine. He's like, surely, everyone in Magic R&D has, like, multiple copies of the Power Nine. I don't want to be the poor schlub in the corner who doesn't have any power. So... So he had he has copies of all of them, and of course most of, most of us in R and I thought
1: that funny. was part of like your welcome package. They give you like your your ID card, and then like yeah, just your a health insurance
0: of... info, and then a binder of power. And here's
3: power. <laughs> right, right. It, here's the let's go into the vault, and you open it up, and there's a statue of Richard Garfield, and it's like <laughs> Ducktales. You dive in a sea of black lotuses or something. Now it's, <laughs> it's not quite like that.
1: Uh, no.
3: It's it's just it's just blue commons all the way down. <laughs> if if you've ever wanted something that can like i don't know switch its power and toughness we got plenty of those all of them
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, but yeah so i mean, I,
3: I started playing when i was 10 but um but not 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 earlier actually uh but see i started playing magic when i was 10 but when i was 11 i was like all right i've mastered i mastered this game i'm i'm good here um I'm ready to – I you know I've decided I love this. It's the best thing in the world. I want to go work at Wizards. So when I was 11, I decided I wanted to work in magic R&D. So
1: <laughs> Wow, so you're literally and, one and of I, those kids who are like, I'm going to be a fireman, and then 10 years later, he's a, he's a fireman. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So I, I went to um, – I had the fortune of living in Seattle. I still live in Seattle mm-hmm. at the time. And um, I went to a local pre-release, and back in the day, we had like the big regional pre-releases. And because we lived in Seattle, a lot of Wizards people showed up to these, you know. So we had people from, you know, Rosewater would come down and hang out with them, and so on and so forth. And I went to the Odyssey pre-release, and this was about a year exactly after Invasion came out. And I decided I was going to work for Wizards. So I saw Randy Bueller there, who was the VP of R&D at the time, and I went up to him and I tugged on a shirt or, you know, whatever you do when you're 10 or 11. And I was like, hey, Randy, I'm ready. Can you guys hire me? Like, I- I'm ready to go. Let's do this.
1: Oh, that's and... like a Hallmark moment.
3: Yeah. And, it, yeah, he throws me a Coke or whatever. He's like, kid, kid. kid. Yeah. No, um... Uh No. So Randy looks at me and he's he's really serious. And he's like, okay, kid. If you want to come work for Wizards, you're going to need two things. And he says, the first thing you're going to need is a college degree. And my heart just sinks. I'm like, I'm 11 years old. It's going to take forever. Like, when is that going to happen? Like, I'm going to... I'll basically be dead by the time I have a college degree, you know? Like, it's... All my great magic skills are going to be be wasted. But the second thing he said is... Uh, make sure that you're a really good magic player because we like to hire people who are good at magic, so because they you know to make the game, you have to know a lot about the game mm-hmm. and and be into it and be a pro player and I was like, well, I don't know about this whole college degree thing <laughs> but like but like a pro magic player that's got to be easy I mean anybody <laughs> should be able to do that um... as we all know that's how that works <laughs> so um so I did. I mean, when I was eleven, I basically committed myself to. I was like, all right, well, if I to work at Wizards, I'm going to get a college degree. I'm going to play pro magic. So I went pro. I qualified for my first pro tour when I was uh, sixteen, and I started college when I was sixteen, and then I graduated college around twenty. Played a bunch of pro tours. Um, you know, d- did a few things here and there that were magic related r- for websites, Star City Games, and so on. And then when I was um, twenty-one, I got picked up by Wizards and been there for about actually. This week is my six-year anniversary at Wizards. Wow. So wow. I've been there for quite a while now. Congrats. Yeah.
0: Is that a little bit like uh, being a kid and getting to go into the, the Willy Wonka candy factory? Because that's what I imagine it's like.
3: Which part? I mean, yes, I mean, not, the answer is yes, but like, which part? Kids getting picked <laughs> yeah, off one by
1: one part. Where's your crazy tunnel with the flashing I mean, lights and the yeah, nightmares? I mean, more like <laughs> when they get
3: Oh, you me. guys should have been there for the great designers here. like, Rosewater's Willy <laughs> really Wonka, and he's walking up the room, and he's like, Oh, sorry, John Lauchs, you get stuck in the dinosaur tube or whatever, you I know? Just picture,
1: just picture Rosewater just, like, pulling a giant lever and then just, like, a trapdoor opening up underneath the
3: John <laughs> It's only funny because it's true. <laughs>
0: I can imagine him singing that. What is that like? Uh, oh, jeez, the world of imagination. Yeah. <laughs> hey, when you dream. <laughs>
3: yeah. But instead of Oompa Loompas, we have homunculuses, and it's just. Weird. Oh, that's that's way
0: better though. Way better.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, so good.
3: Homunculus, homunculus, doopity do. I've got only one eye for you. <laughs>
1: jeez. All right, so uh, I might not want to. Well, work we're a
3: about a half hour in, and we're through uh, the first bullet point on our show notes. Uh, so I'd say we're making a pretty good time. We're doing, yeah, we're doing good.
1: great. We're doing great. Hey, the uh, the turtle the tortoise always beat the hare in my storybook.
3: Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, the tortoises are like one four, so it's gonna be pretty. Yeah,
1: you, they got big butts.
3: <laughs> I've never lied about that. Like
1: a, a rabbit's probably like a one one with haste. <laughs>
3: Or Forest Walk, Zodiac Rabbit, representing Yeah, there yeah. we go. <laughs> uh,
1: all right, so so you just discovered right off the bat, you're like, I'm going to work for Wizards. Um, yeah. See, my big thing is I've never really had a desire to do the Pro Tour just because I've never really been interested in Pro Tour formats. But, like, what what do you feel you gravitate the most towards?
3: Well, you know, first of all, to that comment <laughs> I want to say to you, you and anyone listening is that's what Randy told me at the time, and that was very much the mindset of the time, And it was true then, but now, uh, while we do hire a lot of Pro Tour players, especially for the play design team, we picked up Paul Cheon and Melissa Datora and and all these, these great players recently, we, from the design angle of things, we actually don't necessarily look as heavy at Pro Tour players anymore, we want people with design chops, so... You know, make make games, work on games, get your name out there, get get recognized, write articles. You don't have to be a pro level player. I mean, doing if you look, if you look at me, yes, I played in some pro tours, but I was never as good as at Paul as Paul Cheon or LSV or anyone like that. And I just wrote a lot, got my name out there, showed that I was good at design, and did a bunch of things to showcase my design abilities, and that got me got me in the door. Um, and you know, I, I even. You know, I played in a bunch of Pro Tours, but you don't even have to do, do that. Like, if you, There's a lot of people who came in through ways that have nothing to do with the Pro Tour and are marvelous members of R&D. So really, my biggest advice to anyone who wants to work in R&D is play a lot of games and try designing some of your own games, and if you can't get them published, um, do so. Um, but anyway, to your question about favorite formats, uh, my favorite format, period, is is a little uh, unorthodox but it's probably mental magic. <laughs> it's probably not one you get a lot. Um, no,
1: that's that's not a popular one, but that is an interesting
3: <laughs> choice. Um, I am the Seattle... Actually, I'm, I'm just I'm going to wipe a little dirt off my shoulder here. I'm actually the Seattle mental magic champion. I've got a trophy in my room that says it. It's pretty nice. Proof. Proof, it's, not I, fake news. It list. lights up. It lights up. Ooh. It's pretty special. As all good trophies um,
0: do, of course.
3: If you never played mental magic before, it's it's pretty simple format. Um... The key is, any card in your hand, you just draw a hand of seven cards, no big deal, and all you have to worry about is that any card in your hand can be any other card in Magic with the same mana cost. So I really, I mean, it's really pretty easy, I mean, it's not a big deal. You know, you just have to know thousands of Magic cards. You just have Um, to have an
1: encyclopedic knowledge of the game, no big deal.
3: (laughs) Um... But outside of that, which, which I play pretty seldom, a uh, cube draft is a format that I really, really, really love mm-hmm. because I get to play with you know a lot of my favorite cars, but you get to put them in really cool combinations. And despite the fact that I've played you know probably fifty plus cubes and I've cube drafted hundreds of times, I'm still finding new fun things to do, and, and I really enjoy that. Also. For me, uh, cubes are really interesting because the act of building a cube is not unlike the act of building a magic set. Mm-hmm. So actually, if you're out there and you want to work at Wizards, building a cube is a great thing to do because it kind of teaches you how to build a set. And you really get to learn about what makes things work. And You're constantly doing what you're doing when you're designing a set, which is tweaking and pulling cards in and out. And it's like, oh man, my blue is a little weak. What can I do to tune that up? And um, that, that's pretty awesome for me. So that's for limited formats. Um, as far as constructed formats go... Uh, if you want to play uh, 2004, uh, 2005 Extended, that format's great, um, l- love that one. But for stuff that's going on right now, uh, Modern is something that I totally adore. I play a lot of Modern. I play a good amount of Commander, especially Leading Commander 2017. I have a good amount of experience with it. And then Standard, of course, um, I I stay up to date on for our playtesting, as well as when I like to go out and spell some people, I want to have a Standard deck available. Mm -hmm. So I like to make Standard as good as possible. So, I mean, really, you know, I play everything, even Oddball formats, but I love Cube Draft, and I love the range of cards available in Modern. Nice.
1: That's sweet. Yeah, you know, but you didn't say my favorite format which is uh, block
3: constructed?
1: What happened, then? <laughs> Why'd you guys kill block constructed, man?
3: So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna point this out. We're on a podcast called Leaving a Legacy. Don't change
1: the topic. Don't change the topic.
3: <laughs> and one of the hosts just admitted that his favorite format. Is Block Constructed. So
0: this is this podcast now, has been a three year ruse to get you on to find out why you guys killed Block Constructed.
1: Like you hadn't even killed now, Block Constructed before this podcast started, but I knew it was coming. <laughs> so I started <laughs> this podcast to come to this moment. And you're like
3: uh, You're like, I'm gonna I know I'm gonna get Gavin on to talk about why he killed Block Constructed. Someone named this podcast about legacy will <laughs> never see it coming. It's all a um, ruse. Well, so so here's the thing about Block Constructed is I, actually, I, I quite enjoyed Block Instructed. I think a lot of the really highly competitive people did because it it's restrictions through creativity, right? How can you find the best thing to do in a format where you have so few options? I mean, Pro Tour, San Juan, I've got very fond memories of testing for that Pro Tour and trying to break it when you've only got three sets to work with and you're trying to figure out all the right archetypes, archetypes to play. It's fascinating. I mean, actually, some of my... I don't know if they're my favorite formats, but um, some of the most interesting formats to try out were when Magic Online would have one set block-constructed. So, like, a set comes out, and they're running block-constructed events, but it's just of the first set. And so, okay, what does Innistrad block-constructed look like when you just have Innistrad? You have a pool of 250 cards. It's kind of like a... a, It almost feels like Constructed sealed a little bit. Like, what can you build? I found that fascinating. Um, So I've always liked block-constructed. But the problem um, with it is, basically no one played it unless we told them to. And we've tried to get rid of formats that no one wants to play on their own, because if no one's playing it on their own, that usually means that it's it's not being that successful. And when we pull people to play it for things like the Pro Tour, or for PTQs, or or, or similar, they're only doing it because they have to. And when they play it, other people aren't necessarily going to follow suit, where if you localize that all to being standard, it's going to be more re- relatable on at FNM and to many other players. Plus, it means that the Pro Tour results are relevant, um, because... You know, if you have a standard Pro Tour and a deck wins at FNM, an average player can be like, "Oh, great! This deck won. I'll pick it up and play it." If you have a block constructed Pro Tour and someone wins, the results are just irrelevant because block constructed's done for the year. So, I um, you know, we've moved away from block constructed and extended turned into modern, which you know, extended was a format that basically no one played off season, and now modern is a format that people play all the time. So, I mean, those are some examples of, of why it, it's gone. It pains me a little bit because I did enjoy block, but um, yeah, I think it was the right thing for us to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Fine, I accept that answer. <laughs> I just don't like that uh, I can have a mummy riding on a dinosaur. Flavor fail, Gavin. Flavor
3: fail. <laughs> well, clearly you've never seen the mummy before. you <laughs> You're right,
1: you're right. I, I think I can save those two and a half hours of my life and, you know, not dedicate it in that direction. But if it makes the flavor of the standards, uh, standard make sense, maybe I'll have to just, you know, take one for the team. <laughs> uh
3: yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I I will say this, you know, Magic, I've been around for 25 years now. I plan on Magic being along for a lot longer, being around for a lot longer to come. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in Magic's future, we do some kind of format that's related to blocks sometime down the line, just because it makes a lot of sense. Um, but you know, especially now as we're moving to like say two set blocks or even further along the road, we're, we're you know might might be changing the model again. Uh, it's it's going to become less and less relevant to do so. Um, so that that's a tricky part. Like you know, one set block is fun to play on Magic Online for a little bit, but not really fun if you make it a pro tour format. And mm. you know, two set block, I don't know, if there'd be enough there 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 to even do with. If you had tried to build your two set shadows over Innistrad Eldritch Moon format, what what would your decks have looked like? Well, they probably wouldn't have been, have been they probably wouldn't have been robust enough. So that's a challenge as well. True. True.
1: So, I mean, you, you go all over the place for pretty much all the sets. What about, like, play styles? Do you feel yourself gra- gravitating towards certain, you know, styles of decks, whether it be, like, control or aggro or even a more, you know, ambiguous,
3: uh, you know, style of play? Well, my favorite way to play is definitely control. Control decks have always captured my imagination. Just your traditional blue control deck. Give me some counter spells and, you know counter spells and, <laughs> and, and i'll and i'll be happy um i, I and, and i mean i also really enjoy aggro control most of the decks i've had the most success with on a professional level had have, have been aggro control decks. so stuff like fairies as an example i i have played a ton of fairies and i absolutely love that deck um i want a ptq like i would brew up crazy things too i want a ptq uh in extended where you could like dark depths people with like this abyssal persecutor ninja of the deep hours deck <laughs> cuz it was like you know i not not joking oh, um uh, it was the last beat hue of the season it was like 300 people everyone's bringing these like crazy combo decks and i'm like ah, i'm going to i'm just going to i don't know play abyssal persecutor and <laughs> ninja of the deep hours back to my hand and draw a card <laughs> and i i won i i didn't drop a match like, it was great um you know Nick... fun fact fun fact by the way because I'm sure this, this is going to be relevant for maybe 0.1 of you, but th- that guy is going to be going to love it. Um, if you have multiple Abyssal Persecutors in play, and you attack with all of them, and your opponent goes to zero, in the end of combat step, you can activate Ninja of the Deep Hours as many times as you want in response to itself to return all your Abyssal Persecutors to your hand, so <laughs> your opponent can lose without ever getting priority. Just so you know. It's, it's an important it's an important fact.
1: You know, Ninja of the Deep Hours sees a little bit of play in Legacy.
3: Yeah, I, I, it's one of my favorite cards. I love the Kamigawa Block Ninjas. Huge, huge fan of Kamigawa Block Ninjas. Um, so, Ninja, Ninja of the Deep Hours is a card that I've always adored. So, getting me to play Constructed is not a stretch. I have returned a lot of Ornithopters on turn two, let me tell you about that. <laughs> You know it's a Gavin deck list when it starts off. It's like, oh, what are you playing in Modern? My deck starts with four Ornithopter, four Ninja of the Deep Hours. Just check it out, guys. Sold.
1: Sold. Sounds it's like It's unorthodox,
3: a but it works. <laughs> Affinity Ninjas, nothing like it.
1: Oh, perfect. <laughs> uh,
3: but no, I'm definitely controlling Aggro Control. Um, I also enjoy Combo... God combo decks are a work of art um like two card combo like splinter twin pestermite i mean that, that kind of falls into the, almost just the aggro control deck style for me where you're just like kind of controlling the game controlling the game controlling the game and then you like play a two card combo and you win but decks like storm are just such a work of art to me that i adore mm-hmm. playing them in fact if you if you were like an evil madman and you just want to incinerate like six hours of my night just put a storm deck on my kitchen table and i'll sit there just like Perfecting the goldfish <laughs> of it for hours on end. I've lost... I, so I learned... Actually, let's get around to the, the, the format that we all love and adore. Uh, Legacy. Many, how long have you guys been playing Legacy for?
1: Um. So, I mean, I've been playing Legacy consistently for about six years now, but then I took a break, and before that was another, like, four years before then. So, a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've been about three, three years under my belt.
3: So legacy has changed a lot in the past even six years or so, especially with the addition of a lot of standard uh, standard printed cards mm-hmm. that ended up being played in legacy, as well as just star city games doing more events for the format people you know started iterating on decks and a lot of things became developed. Mm-hmm. but there was a time where legacy was kind of like a wild West format mm-hmm. a little bit where there was like one event a year, one grand Prix a year, and all kinds of crazy decks would show up it wasn't that well refined and um I remember there was a Grand Prix trial coming up, and that's when I got into Legacy. I, and I was, like, 15 years old, maybe, and I wanted to learn one deck, and I needed to be able to get all the cards for it. So I, like, traded for some Force of Wills, and which I'm very glad I did. And I built Springtide. Do you guys know this deck?
1: Uh, I've never is heard of Springtide. Like, is <laughs> that, like, High Tide with Exploration?
3: Um, You're, you're on the right track. It's High Tide... But instead of using reset and doing it on your opponent's turn, it uses like Gush and Cloud of Fairies uh, and does it all on your turn. Yep. So, you know, you're like high tide, high tide, Cloud of Fairies, Gush it back to my hand, Cloud of Fairies, you know, basically doing that that kind of stuff. And I, this was during the summer, and I built the deck up, and it's basically what I did. That summer, it was just goldfish this deck. My parents would come into my room and just think that their child was going insane because so I would just sit there for like four hours with no human activity playing magic against, as far as they could tell, a ghost. And and that you know, I probably spent—I'm not joking—fifty, 50, 60 plus hours just at home goldfishing this deck. Like at night, my parents would say, "Okay, go to bed." I'd be like, "Oh, mom, going to bed now." And then I'd stay up for like four hours in the dark with a flashlight. Goldfishing Springtide. It was an addiction. um, And I love it. I actually still have it together, the exact list, because it's so much fun. Um, But then, yeah, Storm and Extended and and Modern, I goldfish that. um, And I really love it. I I played in a few tournaments, too. um, But... Just seeing the work of art and like getting those mastery loops in to think, okay, I'm really gonna learn how to do this right. I gotta, pl- I gotta play this card first or this card first. Or if I, do, if you know, I play this Peer Through Depths first, that means I can't splice uh, Desperate Ritual onto it later. So I should do this other thing. Just learning it's tiny, it's not tiny things like that is fascinating to me about magic. So those are, uh, those are some of my favorite archetypes. Also, I mean, I haven't mentioned aggro. Nothing wrong with the good old fashioned aggro deck. I've won a lot with Affinity, won a lot with stuff uh, like that. I'm more than happy to play it, but there's something about control and combo and aggro control mm-hmm. that has, has always really drawn me to it. So
1: you're telling me if you go to a legacy deck to, uh, legacy tournament tomorrow, you're sleeving up Tin Fins. That's what I'm hearing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have played Tin Fins before. Yeah, yeah, it's, that that deck's fun. It, it, you know, actually, the last legacy tournament I played, there was a right before I started at Wizards. There was a Star City event in Seattle not that long before, and the last deck that I played was Doomsday Storm. <laughs>
1: We just did a stream with and, Doomsday. We know how miserable it is.
3: <laughs> oh, I oh I I saw your stream. It was on Reddit. Congratulations. Oh, was um, it? Yeah. Oh, you guys didn't see. Yeah, it was like one of the top t- ten threads on Reddit. Was like was uh, you Doomsday and anyway, it's a long story. but um so. I, so Ari Lax is a really good friend of mine. Ari and I have been playing Magic together since we were like 13 years old. We met in the Junior Super Series, the circuit for uh, that existed back then for kids for scholarship money. And so I've known him for a really long time. And you know we always worked on, on decks together. And I couldn't figure out out to play in the Star City Legacy Open. So like 48 hours beforehand, I'm like, hey, Ari, um, I can't figure out what to play. What should I play? And he sends me a Doomsday Storm deck, <laughs> which I've never played in my entire life. And... And so I'm like, oh, whatever. I'll, I'll just I'll put a lot of of combo decks. I'll just leave this up, and you know, Ari tells me a few Doomsday piles to get or whatever. <laughs> and it's it's round one of the of the tournament, and um, yeah, we're in game game two. Uh, I I won the first game just by like normal normal comboing, uh, tendrilsling my opponent, and we're in game two, and I cast Doomsday, and my opponent's like, all right, it was. It resolves. I'm like, all right, crap. got to figure this out. So I'm like, all right, what, sh- what should I get? Well, I'll get, like, Sensei's Divining Top and Sensei's Divining Top and Helm of Awakening. And then I get Shell Dock Isle and then Cloud of Fairies. Because what you do is you put you put Emrakul under the Shell Dock Isle. And then you, like, you know, make, I don't know, make, you make, like a, like, a bunch of mana. You draw your cards for free with with um, Sensei's Divining Top. And then you, like, play your Shell Dock Isle and you Emrakul him next turn. It's easy. Um, now, there's a lot, and you play Cloud Affairies to untap your Shell Dock Isle, so you can do it right away. So you can cast your Emerickle, right? Um, no problem. What well, you might have noticed um, in my plan here, that the five cards that I searched for were Helm, Top, <laughs> top, top, Cloud Affairies, Shell Dock Isle. No, so I, so I, 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 I do the whole thing <laughs> where, where I go Top. You know, I infotop Helm of Awakening, I like brainstorm or whatever to get the cards that I need. I infotop Helm of Awakening. I have Cloud of Fairies in my hand. I play Sherlock Isle and then look at my stack of zero cards in my library <laughs> and realize I made a tremendous mistake that I needed to they needed to get a pilot that contained Emrakul the Aeon's Torn to be able to find Emrakul the Aeon's Torn. It wasn't just going to show up there.
1: Uh, that, that's okay. When, when, I don't know if you saw, but when we streamed, um, I pulled a move I was piloting where I just go, all right, I put Brainstorm, put Doomsday on top of my library, and I'm going to go Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, and then I draw, I draw Doomsday and we're going to win. And then Pat just looks at me and goes, How are you gonna draw Doomsday? (laughs) Like I just activate top oh no no that was banned that, that card was banned i don't have top anymore
0: yeah that was that was not yeah. fun that our was plan, not a fun stream
1: our plan every every game was to all right we're gonna sideboard into monastery mentor and we're a monastery mentor deck. <laughs> that's what we oh, did oh yeah
3: uh, ga- so i won game one i lost game two of that match game three i sideboard out my at so I was like i'm just gonna play <laughs> then, then i won the match so you know i don't know how the opponent felt for me to just mess up my combo and then still win but it, it was great. Uh, uh, it reminds me of, um, so many years ago, in the Flash Legacy Pro Tour, do you guys remember that at all? Or the uh, or Grand Prix, not Pro Tour, the, but do you guys remember the Flash? Oh, like, uh, Grand oh, like Flash Hulk? Yeah, Flash yeah. Hulk, where Flash Hulk was, was the yeah. deck. So, um, Steve Saden, who is um, playing Flash Hulk, um, he got the list from Billy Moreno, and he, I, Steve Saden ends up winning the tournament, uh, eventually. Um, spoilers. And he's playing round three against, or round four maybe, against Owen Turnwald, And Owen Turtonwald is playing Goblins, which is the deck that he always plays, has always played. And um, Steve's won the fir- the fir- first three rounds because he just casts Flash, puts Hulk into play, and his opponents concede. And well, it's like everyone knows what happens from there. So <laughs> Steve's playing against Owen. And, of course, you know, Steve's like, all right, uh, Flash, Hulk, game. And Owen's like, all right, we'll, we'll play it out. And Steve starts panicking. Because in playtesting, all they had done was just go, like, okay, Flash Hulk, next game. And, they, and he got the deck from Billy, and they had never actually like gone through the steps of the combo. <laughs> so he's like, all right, all right, I'm going I'm to figure this out. Um, okay. Uh, all right, I'm going to get Karmic Guide and Carrion Feeder. All right, so Karmic Guide back to Protean Hulk. And then I'm going to sack the Protean Hulk to the Carrion Feeder. I'm going to go get Kiki-Jiki. Okay, <laughs> now I'm going to tap Kiki-Jiki and copy the Karmic Guide, and in response, I'm going to sacrifice Karmic Guide to the Carrion Feeder. Nope, that's that's not Nope that's not going to work out. It's not going to work out very well for you. Uh, so he just fizzles his combo. He loses to Owen. And then about 24 hours later... In the finals of the tournament, he beats Owen Turnwall no. to take the Grand Prix. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> he figured out the uh, he figured out the combo in those twenty four yeah, hours. And in,
3: in the in the remaining in the remaining rounds he figured out what he was supposed to do, so it's good times.
1: Always make your opponent play it out. It's like, that, yep. like the LSV story with Storm, how he forgot to include Tendrils of Agony in his sideboard and he would just go <laughs> Uh uh Burning Wish, I have uh six mana in my pool, Storm Count is twelve. Concede? Okay, cool. Let's go.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. He won that tournament, right? He like won some like local small tournament or whatever without he, uh, a win condition. They as, got the uh, top
1: like, eight and they're like, uh, does anyone want to split? And he was like, Yes, yes, I want to split. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's amazing. Yeah. I think he had a tendrils of corruption in his sideboard, a very strong storm card. Yes. As we all know. Good for draining your opponent for one, gaining some life.
1: Oh man, yep. So, actually, I wanted to ask you about that. So, because you work for Wizards, are you not allowed to play in any sanctioned events anymore?
3: So, it used to be, up until a few years ago, that we just straight up could not play in sanctioned events, period. Like, not no M's, no side events, no nothing. We got that changed, um... So we can play in basically small local events. So we can play in side events and FNMs now, things like that. But we can't um compete in anything that leads into the Pro Tours. So no grand Prix, nothing like that, no Grand Prix trials, no no PP and no star city events because that leads to its own championship circuit and has money prizes. But we are yeah, we can go to F and M and play in events like that now, which is great, you know, it's good to be able to go around to F and Ms and things like yeah,
1: that. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds almost like a cruel punishment. It's like you get to design this game but you don't actually get to play it in public. <laughs> Back in the cage with you.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's actually one of the weirdest situations I've seen is – so it used to be we couldn't play um, events on Magic Online. But We couldn't play events real in the real world, and we also couldn't play events on Magic Online. That, that's since changed. Um, but when uh, Vintage Masters came out on Magic Online, mm-hmm. the only way we could play it was by drafting. So it was literally impossible for any of us to actually go and play the set. <laughs> Even the design team of the set could not go and play <laughs> it because
0: that's there wasn't a
3: real-world product. And the only way you could do it was Magic Online draft, so it, yeah, it couldn't be done. But yeah, that's that's been since changed. And yeah, I, th- I think, you know, we w- all want to be careful because we we do have inside information. We do know what all the all the good good cards and decks that we've made are. Um, do you, though? We don't want to Because,
1: you know, Skullclamp well, got printed. Well, <laughs>
3: Well, right. Uh, I mean, what I, what I was gonna say is, is we know, is we know more than people do when the set yes, comes yes. out. Um, but there's 20 million Magic players, and there's 50 of us. Right. So we very, very quickly get out scaled. And while I agree we shouldn't, shouldn't be playing the Pro Tour, um, you know, it's nice that we are able to go out and play in local events and, and have a good time. We also, we like can't play in events within two weeks of the set coming out or a week of the set coming out, just so it's like, okay, let other people get a chance to play with everything, and I think that's totally reasonable, just to say, hey, okay, well, you guys go figure out Standard for a week, and then after some of the early results of Star Cities and things come back, then we'll go and play and not show off our decks till then.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's pretty fair, because I think 20 million people can put in the same amount of man hours over the course of a week as the entire R&D team did over the entire development of the set.
3: <laughs> right. So, yeah. And, and, yeah, the real world also has the gigantic gigantic advantage, and this is not to be understated, of they get to know what the standard format before it looks like. Mm-hmm. Because when we're playtesting, you know, for, so let's say I'm working on Spaghetti FFL right now. Well, that's a year out from now. That means that there's three sets that have hit standard that haven't hit the real world yet. And those are going to have impacts in standard. And we're still playtesting for Spaghetti with all the information of what we think is going to hit from the three sets before it. Mm-hmm. So, if some of those cards don't hit, or things that we predict, or things that we don't predict hit, do like cards that we missed, or you know whatever else, um, that means that the forecast drastically going to change. So it becomes a little little easier in the real world to figure out what you're going to do with the next set when you're not having to when you're not having to think about all these conditionals. Okay, what if what happens with this set? What happens with this set? What happens with this set? So that's a big advantage the real world has over us as well. Hmm.
1: So I guess does that does it happen that you guys just are just completely off the mark? Where you're like, all right. uh, red-white Dinosaurs is going to be huge, it's going to be the best set, and then it just turns out that it just doesn't see any play whatsoever. Everyone instead goes with, you know, Black-White Vampires is the best set. Or is the best uh, deck.
3: Sometimes we end up off the mark. Um, Although often, when it comes to full-on archetypes, these days, we try not to be too prescriptive. Uh, An example is, with, with Ixalan, we made a bunch of tribal stuff and we made it all pretty reasonable and we we figured okay some of this will hit and so, some of it won't we're not going to say okay well we want you know we're we're going to purposely make it so three of them are bad and then one of them is good and then we're gonna uh, then we're gonna push the really really good one make sure it shows up and there actually there was a time where that that's how things worked if you look back at like Odyssey onslaught um, days we very very clearly pushed what decks were good um blue green madness being an, an astral slide as great examples of this it's just like hey we're gonna make a linear inside this block it's gonna be cycling matters we're gonna put all the cards here we know it's gonna be good we're gonna push it and it's, and it's gonna go out the door yeah and, yeah, and, but I know, and now
1: wait, I know that firsthand because the first ever magic deck i ever built was onslaught block bird soldiers it was not very good i could tell
3: <laughs> yeah yeah that was not one of the push tribes i'm just gonna, just gonna let you know right now uh <laughs> there were some tribes that i got good treatment bird soldiers not, so, <laughs> not much. so
1: much you gave us a lord though i thought i was golden <laughs>
3: Um right yeah even brigadier yeah, right the, can't the lose six mana Lord. that's a card that's a card that i'm sure everyone on the podcast knows it gives all birds and soldiers plus and plus one including your opponent. for 6
1: mana um, that's
3: great for 6 mana it's what a bargain it's great in the birds versus bees duel deck um anyway so uh,
1: uh that's a that's a great april fools product uh,
3: we, so i um okay i'll will finish telling one story and then i'll talk about that the birds versus bees deck but um we, yeah, so nowadays in Standard, I mean, we we do try and figure out by the end of testing, okay, we think this is going to hit, we think this is not going to hit. You know, like, with, with Ixalan, there's some tribes we thought were, were probably going to be more successful than others for Standard, but it's not like if this doesn't hit, we're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this didn't hit. And it's not like one of the tribes that we didn't think was going to be the best one hits that we're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this hit. Because we're like, okay, they're all reasonably strong. They could all hit, depending on what comes out around it. We'll, you know, we'll release them out there and see what the players do with it. Because it, it's a lot more fun, I think, when you guys get the cards, you need to build your own decks and play around and see what's good in the format, as opposed to uh, us just being prescriptive with, okay, these are going to be the three decks that are legal right now. Um, you know, you can play Astral Slide, Goblins, or Blue Green Madness. It's like, no, here's, here's a bunch of good cards. We have some ideas of what things are going to look like. Um, we're going to see how things shake out. And inside R&D, um, when people ask me, a question I get asked a lot is, do you guys know all the decks that are going to hit? And um, my answer is normally we are really good about identifying the cards that are going to make it. Um, in the competitive standard, but we don't always have the exact deck lists. So, a lot of the times we'll identify what the strong cards are, but you know the, the exact builds of those decks can be off, might be off a little bit, and th- that's often where things end up. So we, you know, occasionally that is a problem for us, but usually we're we're on point. Um, the story story with birds versus bees, just to <laughs> cascade one story into another, is inside R and D. Aaron Forsythe pioneered this idea of. Spell slinging dual decks that are like funny things that we make. So uh, he built Birds vs Bees as a as a joke, but he brings it whenever he, he goes spell slinging. Um, at events. So, if someone wants to play something special, they can only get there. he will play the birds vs. bees dual deck against them. And I think um, Ethan Fleischer built, built Pirates versus Ninjas or something <laughs> like that as like his his goofy dual deck. So yeah, you know, some people, a couple of people in R and D have this. Oh,
1: that's that's
3: awesome. Yeah,
1: he actually probably is pretty happy. A bunch of his pirates are worth a whole lot more money because of legacy shenanigans.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, pirates, Pi- pirates yeah, pirate snopy yes. is the future. <laughs> Pirate Stompy, man. Oh, man. It can't be beaten. All of our internal testing has proven Pirate Stompy <laughs> is unbeatable. Heard <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm i li-
3: The legacy FFL has spoken. <laughs> I'm live-tweeting
1: Bob Wong right now, that. <laughs> yeah. um, well, so speak...
3: Uh, yeah, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go for it.
1: <laughs> so speaking of... I was going
3: to give away the deck list, but I figured... <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: nah, it's hush-hush. It's, it's Bob gets pretty mad when it gets spoiled. <laughs> So, you know, speaking of our favorite format uh, of Legacy, you know, how much does R&D design cards for Legacy? You know, how how conscious are you that you just, like, you design a card you're like, yeah, this is going to see play in Legacy? Or is it kind of more like happy accidents?
3: Sometimes, so there's a little, little bit of both there. Um, one of the big challenges of designing cards for Legacy is Legacy, you know, of course, it has everything legal in it, which means that having a card hit Legacy is just a lot harder mm. than normal. And if we want to make a card hit Legacy, it has to go through Standard, which means that there's a big challenge with, um, okay, how can we make this not blow up Standard and um, help out Legacy? Now, now, there's a few things that, that help help out here. One is supplemental products, like Conspiracy and Commander, mm. which I'll get to in a little bit. But um, let's talk about Standard for a second. So we assume that every now and then some percentage of cards that we miss will be strong enough for legacy uh an example of this um might be jace friend's prodigy we knew the card was good we played it a lot in standard but we didn't really expect it to see modern and even legacy play and it you know it sees it doesn't see a, oh, a ton of legacy plays it sees a little little legacy play um it, see, it sees some modern play yeah, and that's an example of a card. It's like Just by naturally, by making enough magic cards, we are going to make some cards that end up seeing play in Legacy because they're strong enough. So that's one route the cards get in, into Legacy from Standard. Um, the other way is occasionally we will engineer cards that we think will address specific Legacy problems, but won't cause trouble in Standard. And a lot of times, these are reactive cards. So, I mean, I mentioned it uh, yesterday at the beginning of the show, but Abrupt Decay is a card that was made for this exact reason, as, okay, yeah, killing a 3-CMC less permanent, well, that's fine for Standard. it will see certainly see some Standard play. But in Eternal formats, where everything is hyper-pressurized to play the cheapest mana-cost cards that you can, because efficiency is what's important, it'll see even more play. And the fact that it couldn't be countered was specifically so it could kill a Counterbalance through a top. Um, so... That's a great example of how we make cards for legacy to address specific problems and without messing up standard in the process. Mm-hmm. So, so so that is the standard side of things. Okay? Now something that's changed in the past few years that we do now, which we didn't do before, is basically inject cards straight into legacy with commander and conspiracy and stats like that. Um, we've tried a bunch of things here. And in the first uh, Commander, you'll notice there's cards like Scavenging Ooze and Flusterstorm, which were basically designed to 2B cards for Legacy. Flusterstorm, as an example, really actually had no place in that Commander deck. It was just like (laughs) a thing to be like, hey... I mean, if you think about it, Flusterstorm doesn't even make sense as a Commander card. It's it's like, you're going to play one big spell, and I'm going to force spike you. (laughs) What's going on here? But... But it, you know, it was it was partially in there to be like, hey, legacy players are something in here for you too. So we've tried those out. Um, you know, we also made a little card named True Name Nemesis. Um, <laughs> a, a couple years after, and so we've experimented with a few things here and there, and we found a few things. One is that if we're, is that in general, we we don't want to put too many cards into Legacy this way. Um. But when, and, and, but when we do, the right ones to put in are more reactive cards than proactive cards. Mm-hmm. Because reactive cards are normally solving a problem and helping be a great sideboard option or helping things out. Scavenging Ooze is an example of this. Flush Storm is an example of this. Those are actually two, two pretty good ones, I think. Um, proactive cards, though, cause problems. Because to be proactive in Legacy, your card, your card has to be pretty strong. So we're basically just making a super strong card that is, might, might, might not be that fun to play against. An example of that is True Name Nemesis, which is really not that fun to play against and is a proactive Legacy card. Um, also, you know, some things that might enable certain decks is pretty cool too. So if there's a deck that's on the periphery, they'd be like, oh man, everyone loves playing this deck, even though it's not not that good. Throwing in a card or two in a supplemental set could be a cool way of making that deck slightly more viable. And you might see some more of that as, as time goes on. Um, but those are kind of some philosophies for how, for how we get cards into Legacy. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I Also kind of going on that, I feel Baleful Strix... I don't know if Baleful Strix was a happy accident or not, but I feel Baleful Strix is one of those examples of, it's a card that's not necessarily reactive, it doesn't really solve any problems, but it's just so perfectly balanced for it to be a legacy staple.
3: Yeah, I talk about a, a well-designed card. It's a very simple card. I mean, it's a card that we made, um, and I wasn't actually around when, when the card was made, so I don't know exactly what the intent of it was, but it's a card that, that we made that's extremely simple. I mean, you could put Sans, the artifact type, you could put that in a, in a Core set probably mm-hmm. no problem, um, but because it's you know it's got all these things going for it, to make a good legacy. It's got the artifact type, which is relevant, mm-hmm. and it just all kind of works together as this great package. And it's just a very well designed card. I don't know if it was made for for legacy or not. I would guess that it was not really intended to see legacy play, but we're totally happy with it doing it. It's once again a great kind of happy accident mm-hmm. style card.
1: Now, I don't know if you're allowed to tell us this or not, but are there any cards in Ixalan that you specifically thought were going to be, you know, for legacy
3: play? Well, one of the things that we try to do with Ixalon Block, not just Ixalan, is we knew that one of our tribes was Murfolk, and historically, Murfolk is a legacy deck. <laughs> and
1: make Murfolk great again. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll, you know, so we were like, okay, maybe we'll try and take a few merfolk shots yeah, just to see if, if they help out the deck a little, little legacy. And, you know, all I'll say about that is the block's not finished yet. So all right. nice. um, we'll, we'll see what happens by we'll the end of it. Out.
1: For the next block, can I put a request in? Um, goblins <laughs> have really fallen off the face of the earth. Goblins need some love.
3: <laughs> well, uh, here's what I, here's all I'll say about goblins, which is, you know, after Ixalan, you know where we're going.
1: Uh, I believe it's Domaria. Dom—I can never pronounce it. Domaria, Dominaria?
3: Dominaria, Dominaria. Yeah, There's, there we go. We're going. We're going back to Dominaria, and of course, Dominaria is is known for goblins. Goblins is the son Dominaria. You know, all the way from Mon's Goblin Raiders and Goblin King to, to today. So, I'm not promising anything, but if you at least want to see. You know some goblins around. I wouldn't be surprised if Dominaria had at least some odes to goblins.
0: I, I gotta say the last few standard sets, like I don't play standard anymore. When when I first got back into Magic in 2014, it was like Born of the Gods block, and that's all I did was play standard. Um, but since playing Legacy, like I've, I've noticed that a lot of the standard sets you guys have come out with uh, seem like really awesome. Like Ixalan, it seems like a really super cool set. I love the flavor of it. Um, I dig listen to the you know reading the stories and stuff. Um have you guys really put like a lot of effort into designing the worlds to be uh I don't know like it's like seem like almost instant fan favorites if it feels like people have been wanting pirates and dinosaurs for so long and you're like, you know what we're gonna give you guys pirates and dinosaurs like are you guys making that conscious effort to uh sort of like play that fanfare kind of card now or is it just happened to be that way?
3: First of all, thank you very much. We have been working really hard on our worlds, and I hope that it, that's paying and show off. And we're seeing like super high, uh, high numbers of people paying attention to the magic story, for you know, like, I think basically now is the most keen people have ever been on finding out what's going on in the magic story, which has been great to hear. And the website articles help out a lot with that too. I highly recommend them. Um, but as far as our worlds go, I think we've just just a few things have happened. One is that we have. Listen to a lot of player feedback about what players want and just trying to give them things that they want. And, you know, Egypt's world has been on people's list for a long time. Mm-hmm. Pirates of Dinosaurs have been on people's list for a long time. Sorry, excuse me there. And um, and we, we were finally able to deliver on what people want. Additionally, as we entered this stage of design, we're kind of finding that the best design, a very long time ago at Wizards, it was sort of, you know, basically like, We're going to make a bunch of magic cards, then we're going to throw these cards over the wall to creative, and they're going to put a a creative skin on it, and then we're going to ship it. I mean, there's more nuance than that, but that was kind of what was going on. Really, um, in this current era of design, we found that our best sets are when they're resonant and when people really get what – what the flavor behind the cards is mm-hmm. because that makes you all the more excited i mean we could be playing a game where all the cards are named card number 3005 and you they, they read things like turn this piece of cardboard sideways to remove one point from the bottom right hand corner of your opponent's card but no like we want to play with sweet pirates and mm-hmm. deal damage and it's just a lot more fun you get that great flavor and even at the top level of play, even at the pro level of play it energizes them in some really cool ways um and the game is just more fun to play and more and easier to learn when you have this great flavor behind it and the great flavor behind your mechanics. Um, flavors of amazing handhold to learn how to do things. Um, you know, it's if you look at Innistrad. The double-faced cards could have been this huge, confusing thing, but people mostly just got it because yeah, werewolves turn over; it mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we really try and uh, infuse the flavor into our sets where possible. And with Ixalan, yeah, we had you know this kind of crazy world idea, and we made the cards to match, and the set turned out great.
0: Yeah, for sure. So is this kind of a, a change in the philosophy of like top-down design? You know, c- kind of going more top-down as far as like flavor versus like bottom-up design of the cards.
3: We we still I mean we do a mix of top down and bottom up sets, um, but we always try to make sure that the flavor is in there from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. We've, We've even changed our processes so that on. The early teams. You know, it used to be there was like an early design team and maybe an early creative team. But now it's, it's just one thing. It's design and creative mm-hmm. talking together and working together to figure out what the coolest worlds and mechanics can be. And yet, Rosewater's got a list of awesome mechanics he wants to use. And creative's got a list of awesome places they want to go. And it's like, wait a second. Why not look at our mechanics and look at our places and see what fits really, really well together? So, you know, when it's time to do um, Egypt World, we have the... the a graveyard mechanic that we want to do for a while in our back pocket mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense to do here yeah. and working in unison just makes so many wonderful things happen and i've been amazed by the results
0: yeah it's awesome yeah it's 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 been really fun to see the cards that came out um getting a chance to play um magic arena uh, was pretty cool because uh, we got a chance to play some of the excellent cards before i got to really see them and and get my hands on them, So that was super cool. I just, I've been really digging the sets and I think you guys are doing a great job with that. So,
3: well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad you like him. I, I happen to like them quite a bit too. So. <laughs> um,
1: I wanted to zoom in a little bit on specific cards of a cycle that I really liked. And it's kind of a theme I've noticed from a lot of sets over time is I call them like homage cards, just cards that are like clear callbacks to magic magic's past. Um, so I mean like the Ixalan example, would be the uh, you know the cycle of legendary enchantments that turn into lands, uh, like Legion's Landings, Search for Ask uh, Askanta, which I guess is seeing a little bit of legacy play now, which is <laughs> very interesting. Um, then it's like I think it's like Vance's blah bla- blasting cannons, I think it is, and uh, growing Rights of. Uh, I forget what it is, the Gaia's Cradle one.
3: Attilamok? Attilamok, yeah.
1: yes. Um, so I just really like these because it's like, you know, Search for Ascanta is, is you know, a clear callback to uh, Impulse. Um, you know, Growing Rights of uh, Illamok is, you know, Gaia's Cradle. Uh, uh, Vance's uh, Blasting Cannon is uh, a Shivan Gorge, but it is upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> It is upgraded. Uh and also, um, what is it? I think like the black one is uh, Diamond Valley, which I thought was super sweet. Um, like I mean I, I feel it's it's pretty clear that these are, are clear callbacks. Or was this like a conscious decision? Like how do, how did these types of cards come into existence?
3: Yeah, I think actually you, know, you mentioned the the vents Blasting Cans. I think at one point the other side was actually a Valakut, the molten pinnacle. <laughs> and then we ended up we ended up changing it to uh, to the just tap to deal through damage thing. Um, but yeah, you know, one of the things we wanted to accomplish with Ixalan and really any set, I, I well, I, I, I scrap that, edit that up. Let me start from the game. Um, Magic is a game that has a 25 year history now. And yeah, there's, you have a lot of new players coming in and we want to make sure there's stuff for them, but we also want to make sure there's stuff there for the enfranchised people who've been there for a really, really long time. A lot of the legacy players. And it's really cool when we're able to make cards in a standard set that call back to things that players love, and at the same time, these are these are chances to let new players who've never gotten to play with Gaius Cradle before a chance to play with it again and be like, uh, you know, they're playing with, with not that exact card. Exact card's kind of crazy, but they're seeing their their own version of it, getting to play with with something that cool. So with Ixalan, just using that as an example, we knew we wanted these double faced cards that were things that you quested for and had to go find, and they're going to take some effort to go get. And they're going to all be lands, so why not call back to some of the most iconic lands and effects in Magic's history? Um, you know, another great example of the cycle is in Commander 2017, which which I just led, and the few Commander products, products before it. We've had this kind of super cycle of these Maguses. I the love back the Magus cards.
1: <laughs>
2: yes.
3: Yeah, Magus of Magus of the Desire, Magus of the Wheel, Magus of the Will, and those are really cool examples of okay, we're going to make a, a Moth's Will. You're going to have to wait, on, you know, wait for it, put it on a creature, and see what happens. But, but and it's a fair card we can print, and that's a great example of us calling back to that old history. It's a card that I see and get excited about because, like, for me, as an example, Mind's Desire is one of my favorite cards ever printed. I mentioned earlier that I love these, like, crazy, artful combo (laughs) decks, and nothing exemplifies me, that more to me, than Mind's Desire, a card which is so crazy, it was banned in Legacy when it was printed, before people even got to play with it. Um, And yet, legal and extended for some reason, which I'll never understand. But anyway, um, it's So I was so glad when I got to print Magus of the Desire. And the really cool part is you get to see it through, through a new lens. Um, with the Magus cycle, I'll use Magus of the Desire as, as an example. Yes, you have to wait a turn to get your Mind's Desire. Uh, but on the, on the flip side, there's some things that you can do with it that you couldn't really do with Mind's Desire. For example, turns out Mind's Desiring on someone else's turn, after they've cast a bunch of spells is something you can do with an instant speed magus ability mm-hmm. that casts Minds Desire. Or, you know, Yawgmoth's Will on another player's turn if you need to cast um, a bunch of counterspells out of your graveyard, or, or, you know, whatever the case might or, be. What, um, what I
1: saw was, because it's a creature, reanimator decks like Tin Fins were playing it as a reanimation target in order to, you know, basically cheat it into play and get it active quicker uh, with, like, a, sure, a Shadow yeah. Grave or something like that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it opens up a whole new window for this. And, you know, with these... Um, with, like, say, Growing Rights of Attilamok, yes, absolutely. You have to fl- flip it over, transform it over to be able to tap it for a bunch of mana like Gaia's Cradle. But, I mean, I, no, I'm not going to go ahead and say that, that it's a strong or stronger than Gaia's Cradle, but on, you do get ability on the front side, which is pretty good in green decks. And I've seen a number of modern decks that have been using it as, a, like, elf decks. They're like, okay, you know. Turn one Linwar elf, turn two speed, a bunch of guys on the board, turn three rights. Now I've got Gaia's Cradle and I've got extra card in my hand. That's really strong for that deck. So it's really cool that, that we get to kind of, you know, infuse modern with some of this stuff and put a little bit of it in standard and, you know, mm-hmm. let these classic effects that players love, they get to play with. One of my, one of my favorite formats is Cube Draft. I mentioned that earlier. And it's because I get, it's like I get to come home and see all my buddies when I draft. I get to go see, you know, how, hey, Treachery, how you doing? Mystic Snake, what's up, right? And, you can tell what kind of decks I play. I'm a big jerk, <laughs> and and I love that. You know, I'm I, I play standard already. But if I if I wasn't working at Wizards and I maybe wasn't as into standard, if there were if there were a bunch of cards that mimic things that I liked doing that I already knew I liked doing, I would sit up and be like, hey, it's kind of like Gaia's Cradle is back. Maybe I'm going to try playing this in standard and get that feeling that I love again. Um, so absolutely, we make a conscious decision to do this, and I'm really glad that we do. Yeah.
1: Especially, you know, especially when they come into into legacy play, too, because, you know, when you replicate these old effects, uh, you know, sometimes it's just worth having those extra effects. Um, I am going to pick up my bat phone right now, Gavin, and I'm going to phone in a request. Uh, just give me Magus of the Chains. That's all I want. Magus of the Chains. One in a black for a two one text is just change them
3: epistophically, Just give
1: it to me. Just give it to me. I need. <laughs> it. Give it to me. We all
3: know that text fits on a card, no problem. So it it's
1: issue. real easy. Like you could even put it in like one of those precon decks. Like it's easy for new players. To yeah, you just got to do a flow. You have to.
0: You have to reformat the way a text box does and Make it just like flow chart style.
3: <laughs> well, well, you know the Magus Supercycle. I, I hate to break it to you, but the Magus Supercycle has already done its black incarnation. So the two that are missing are the white and the green one. So you're going to just have to wait wait on those. It's got to go around again. Maybe when we get, <laughs> go around again. Yeah, when we get to the second cycle, I'll keep that one in mind.
1: <laughs> keep that one in mind. You know, there make are, it,
3: make there's it a lot black. more
0: Magus than I realized. Like I, I, I went to Scryfall and like searched for Magus of the... And then there's like 17 cards that are all Magus of the blank. 18. 18, 18, I'm yeah, sorry. Because
3: there, there's the 15 from Time Spiral Block. And then there's the three that we've done in commander sets.
0: Oh no! I well, hold on. There's 19 here. Well, the, maybe we're not including Magus of the Unseen.
3: Yeah, that's not that's, that doesn't count. <laughs> that, that's poser. Yeah, <laughs> he stole the name.
1: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair
3: enough. Uh, but the the I mean, all the Maguses are replicating old effects. So the Times all ran the gag of of doing these these Maguses where, um, you know, in the first set you had uh, these like the tap ability like cheap maguses or or no wait no what was it the first set had artifacts the second set had uh effects that were on lands is that right no yeah because it was the Nemerals, this one
1: candelabra yeah yeah um... it, it was
3: it was artifacts lands the tat- was and there? then the third one had enchantments and then these ones are all um sorceries
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's a, they're, they're very sweet i the... It's such a fun way to, like you said, have a callback to these classic cards in Magic. That you don't you don't have to reprint the card, but you can get that flavor. You can get that that callback on a, on a brand new card, which is super cool.
3: What do you want the um, the white and green ones to be?
1: Ooh, Ooh that's
3: a uh, good what's, question. Uh,
1: what's the theme? They're sorceries.
3: Yeah, they they need to be sorceries of their color. Uh,
1: I feel sorcery for green just has to be natural order, but I don't know how you fit that on a creature i just feel oh or maybe eureka actually scrap that ooh. make it eureka <laughs> yeah eureka would be kind of cool it'd have to be an expensive creature though Now nah, make it make it cost two give me <laughs> <laughs> i want now, what's it <laughs> what's a white sorcery that you think you want to, to fit in a creature like that jerry white doesn't get too many sorceries i mean Kind of the most famous white sorceries were the miracle sorceries that no one remember are miracles because they were cheated into play so often, like turn this right, and entreat right. the angels. Um, oh, I guess like Wrath of God is probably the most iconic white sorcery. What about uh, Balance? Ooh, Balance is also another good one. I like how uh, Gavin is fiendishly quiet, because I'm guessing they already <laughs> have it designed.
3: I'm just curious what you guys are going to say. Um.
1: <laughs> A likely story. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think balance but I feel balance already had its callback homage with the uh yeah um, uh, restore know, like balance set, yeah restore balance and yeah. Vision. also another great callback set is the uh is the suspend cards yes yeah Th- those but also
3: well really that whole set right like yeah. time spiral is is one big I mean I I as a player who's played magic for a very long time I love Time Spiral yes. block, and I love Time Spiral in particular because of the uh, the crazy callbacks it has. Now, as I'm taking off my player hat, putting on my Magic designer hat, Time Spiral was a mess. <laughs> that set was this disaster. It was it was the nudge nudge, wink wink of Magic sets. Like there's so many things. It's like, oh man,
1: it was the blue milk. It was the blue milk of Magic sets. <laughs> Just...
3: I, I I don't I don't even know what blue milk is, but I'll agree with you. <laughs> it's, um, it's
1: a Star Wars reference. It's okay. We can move on.
3: <laughs> but, I mean, here's an example. Can you tell me, um, so so there's a lot of cards in the set that are mashups. Can you tell me what the card Stormcloud Jin is? Do you know this one? Uh,
1: <laughs> I will look it up.
3: Okay, so Stor- Stormcloud Jin. for all of our listeners who don't know every magic card ever, <laughs> um, are 4 you it's a 4U, 3-3, three, three, so a 5-mana, 3-3 three, three flyer. Uh, it can only block creatures with flying, and it has red red, Stormcloud Jin gets plus two plus O until end of turn and deals one damage to you. Now, what great magic reference is this making?
1: I feel it's like Jackal... No, not Jackal Pups. It's, uh... It kind of reminds me of, like, uh, the Razorfin Merfolk, but that... I don't know why. I honestly can't tell you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's like fire-breathing, so, I mean, there's been a bunch of dragons with fire-breathing. Uh, uh, see I my my
0: encyclopedic knowledge of magic uh, is not existent. That is not one of my strong suits. I would be very bad at mental magic. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, well, if you knew every card that ever existed, I mean, come on, guys. Stormcloud Jin is obviously a mashup between. The six-mana Weatherlight card, Cloudjin, which is a a flyer (laughs) that can only block creatures with flying, and wait for it, the one-mana Dark creature, Electric Eel, which has red-red, Electric Eel gets plus two, plus zero until end of turn and deals one damage to you. I mean, don't you get it, guys? It's hilarious. I mixed up Uh... Cloudjin and Electric Eel. What a cool set of abilities (laughs) this is.
1: I actually feel bad because I have run Electric Eel in my Creatures of the Deep theme deck. (laughs) It was literally just all creatures that lived in the water because it, it, I liked the ocean <laughs> as a kid.
3: <laughs> as, far, as far as I understand it, our times far I was just like R&D like, just cracking up at their own like ridiculous card combinations and just got a little too self-referential for its own good. I mean, There's so many cards that are just like, oh, look at this hilarious mashup. And I, I, I love it. Like As an experienced player, I love it, but it caused a lot of I problems. Just picked... I'll give you guys one more. I'll give, yeah, I'll yeah. give you, you and the I like listeners this game. one more. This is okay? a good game. <laughs> all right. What two cards is Cyclopean Giant a mashup of? Oh,
1: Cy- I need to look at it. Cyclothean? Okay, so
3: Cyclopean Giant, for, for those at home, it's a two black black for a zombie giant. It's a 4-2, and it says, when Cyclopean Giant dies, target land becomes a swamp.
1: Oh, Exile geez.
3: Cyclopean Giant. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, um, like, I feel... I feel a little like Goblin Settler, but not really, just in the fact that it's like a four-mana creature that affects lands. Uh... <sighs> Jeez, this is hard. Like, if I looked at this card, I wouldn't even realize it's a reference to anything.
3: <laughs> Sweet card, though, right? Every look at this card, and you're like, wow, I want to own that. Glad this is in the set.
1: It's. A, I put it in that, you know, the, the, nine, the nine pocket binders? This one goes in the middle
3: pocket. Yeah, right. Right next to Hypotamius uh, Lemurs, another another great card from TimeSpark. Uh, I actually know that one, because
1: Lemur, Lemurs is, is pretty famous. But I got that one, but I have no idea on
3: this yeah. giant. Okay, so of course, Cyclopean Giant, come on guys. Cyclopean Giant, as, as we all know, <laughs> is a reference to the um, the alpha artifact, Cyclopean Tomb, which has text that is far longer than what would go on a magic card now. Which The short version is it's an artifact that turns non-swamps into swamps. And, and, here's my favorite part, it's a mashup of Cyclopean Tomb, which is an artifact that puts uh, Myra Cannoners on lands and turns them into swamps. And, not one, but two Cyclopean Mummies, which is a 1B21 creature that exiles when it's put into a graveyard. You see, they're con- <laughs> and this is from Legends, you see they're connected <laughs> because they both have the word Cyclopean in their name. I do
0: kind of dig the, uh, the artwork on Cyclopean Tomb being called back specifically on Cyclopean Giant. That's pretty slick, actually.
3: Oh, oh yeah. No, oh it's there. Yeah, and the the the, the tomb is opening like the it in the flavor text. I mean, it's it's great. The, the part that gets to me is that it's it's two cyclopean mummies. It's like one cyclopean mummy plus plus cyclopean tomb, not enough for a magic card to be hilarious. It's got to be an exact two copies of cyclopean mummy that have merged together. Um I could play this game all day, and maybe we will on a future podcast. This is fascinating. Listeners, you're, you're like your totally knowledge feel of like these out. cards
0: is so much deeper. Than... Like I'm, I'm like, I know all the cards that are relevant in Legacy, but this is like, these are cards I've never heard of.
1: Even knowing all the cards relevant in Legacy is still probably yeah, close probably. to a
2: thousand cards.
1: But it's just like, those are just the playable cards. Like, poor old Cyclopean Mummy. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, Cyclopean Giant, man. That that was a card that maybe on rare occasions made your deck unlimited and has stories. But there's so many things in Time Spiral that...
1: So you're saying uh, um, Return just... to Time Spiral
3: is right around the corner. <laughs> I'm very excited for Dominaria. <laughs> Dominaria is not Return to Time Spiral. Put it that way. It is it is an awesome set, though. I, I, I will say, Dominaria is... I am so stoked for it. It is going to be amazing. I got to be... I mean, I was on the the team, and I got to work with um, Richard Garfield and a number of others on the set, and um, it's it's truly amazing. It is something I'm very very proud of, and I, I think you guys will. Be really I happy I cannot that. wait that
0: for. it. I think it's going to be super cool. Do action. we have a release date for that already?
3: Uh, yes, and it's a okay. of a 2019 or 2018. Uh, you can fill in the <laughs> with whatever the actual. <laughs> no, no, I just got that part out. That, that was really dumb. Um, uh, yeah. Yes. Or, just let me look it up. I'll, then I'll just this all out, and I'll just tell you when it actually comes out. Um, Dominaria.
1: I think it would be a great idea for. for...
3: Uh, okay, <laughs> Dominaria releases um, cool. April twenty seventh, twenty eighteen. So it's actually not that far away. It's six months or so away.
1: I'm I'm hoping for like a grizzled old Gerard Capichon, like from <laughs> Luke in <and> the Force <laughs> Awakens, just his beard's gone gray. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Gavin is silent again. <laughs> Too close to the mark.
3: <laughs> uh, all I'm going to say is I think you guys will be excited by Dominario. If, if you, whether you're a longtime Magic player or yeah, relatively new, Dominario has stuff for you. And, Everything's been such
0: an, be like perfect. a home run lately. I just, I'm, I'm super excited for it. Um, all right. Uh, was there anything else we wanted to go over? Because I know we have a few uh, little subtopics below here, but. Um, was there anything else, Jerry, you wanted to ask of Gavin or maybe Gavin asked of us before we got into, uh, story time and,
1: and our week in magic? Um, well, I guess, uh, one thing we didn't really touch on at all was, uh, overextended because I feel that was one of your big claims to fame, uh, Gavin, how you, I mean, I don't want to say it, but you pretty much almost invented modern from how I understand it.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy to put it that way. Um, you know, but it, it, it's it's sort of true. Um, so what I, happened is basically I just gave
1: you a big big shoes to fill all of a sudden just be <laughs> humbly just explain how you warped the entirety of the magic competitive scene.
3: <laughs> right, right. Um and made one of my favorite ones. It's no it's no coincidence I love modern for that reason. So, um Basically, what happened is back in the day there was Extended, and if you're not familiar, Extended was a format that was sort of like Modern, except it rotated, and every three years th- the oldest three blocks would have kicked out of Extended, um, and it wasn't re- it wasn't super popular outside of the seasons where people were forced to play it for tournaments, and um, cards were leaving, and the, you know Magic had a had a really big card pool at this point, and I was like, hey, you know what makes a lot of sense is that there's a format between Legacy and, and Standard that was non-rotating. And uh, I pitched this to a bunch of my friends and in car rides, and thought about it for a few months, and every single person I told it to was like, yeah, this sounds awesome, I would totally play that. And eventually I was like, okay, look, I want to work at Wizards, I've graduated college, not only would do I believe this format should exist, and I want to do it for that reason, but probably doing this will look good uh, on my resume for working at Wizards. Um, so I created this format called Overextended. I did a bunch of my own playtesting, building up decks and brewing, and um, playing them against each other, which was exactly Modern, but Invasion forward mm. instead of um, Eighth Edition oh, forward, man. so about three sets earlier. <laughs> How different um,
1: Modern would be. <laughs>
3: uh, and I, I chose Invasion. I have have a, you know I wrote a ton about it. I made a website. And I actually ran tournaments around the world. Like it caught on really fast. I sponsored weekly Magic Online events that were hitting hundreds of players, and ran them out of my own pocket, giving out um, you know giving out prizes. And um, I uh, got stores around the world to run Overextended events. Now the crazy part is, while all this was happening, um, at the same basically at the same exact time, I announced that I was going to try Overextended. Wizards announced they were going to try Modern for. Um, for the Community Cup, so both in tandem, me and Wizards had been working on this thing together, and they were doing this, you know, this kind of one-shot test Community Cup, and I was doing all these tournaments, and basically all the data was coming back saying, "Wow, this is awesome! Players are going to love this." So, because of all the work I did on Overextended and how successful Modern was when they ran it at the Community Cup, I uh, Proto Philadelphia, which was going to be extended in like a month ahead of time, got switched to being Modern. It became a real format. And I, I felt like this was, was a huge success. Some people are like, oh, man, Gavin, weren't you mad that Overextended failed in Modern <laughs> 1? And to me, I'm like, no. Like, are you kidding? Like, the whole uh, the whole point was I felt like there should be a format that, that's between yeah. these two. And that happened. That's amazing. Um, and, you know, it's no coincidence that a few months after that, I got the call um, to uh, be interviewed for Wizards. And <laughs> that, that's that.
1: I mean, I kind of wish Overextended uh, 1 because I feel I would enjoy Modern a lot more if <laughs> Steffle was
3: in Modern. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I mean, you can go back and look at some of the early overextended deck lists, and there was some pretty cool stuff. Um, I mean, if, you know, you get to play with some really sweet cards, like Factor Fiction is a big mm. one that was really fun. Um, you get Psych- Moments Piece. Psychotark. so. So yeah, people were playing, and the thing is, it was like, like the Wild West, right? You could, there was like a balancing act deck, and people were playing Tog decks, and Madness decks, and man, some, some of those deck lists were amazing. But with that said, I'm super happy with how Modern ended up, and I think the format is probably right now one of the best states it's ever awesome. been in. So I, I love it. Super cool.
1: Sweet. That, yeah, that's that's really cool. I, I,
3: I, yeah. <laughs> so so you know, if you want to work at Wizards, all you gotta do is invent a format yeah. that people around the world love. I wonder who the guy who no pressure who,
1: who invented Frontier. I feel that's kind of uh, the the next thing if it if it takes off,
3: maybe. Yeah, yeah uh, Frontier is a format that I've, I've been paying some attention to. When I was in Japan earlier this year for Grand Prix Shizuoka and some vacation, because I love to travel, and so I was um, there for the Grand Prix and, and uh, got to go around to some stores as well. And yeah, Frontier was, you know, people were playing events there, and it was kind of cool seeing what's going on in that format. There's definitely neat decks around, and R&D is Always paying attention to everything going on in the Magic world. Even when it seems like we're not talking about it a ton, trust me, we know about it and we're paying attention to it. Because at the end of the game, we just want the best thing for all the players that are out there, and we're always monitoring everything about Magic to make the best game we possibly can. I mean, it's
1: kind of hard not to pay attention when people leave road signs <laughs> in your parking lot asking you <laughs> <for> specific actions. <laughs>
3: The, the new thing is sending us pizza. Yes. Oh. We've gotten a number of pizzas with banned and restricted related requests on them. So, um, I'm not sure if it's working, but we're eating the pizza. You're eating the pizza.
1: Good. It's. Let's just say it's not hurting. I, it's not hurting if yeah. anyone's thinking Send more it. pizza. Uh,
3: yeah, I, I will say, guys, I will say I don't eat pizza. So if you want to send me like a steak or something like that, you know, just – Keep that in mind.
1: It's like you're going to go into the office tomorrow, and there's going to be like a surf and turf filet mignon and lobster, and it's just going to be like, ban
3: brainstorm. <laughs> uh, this is the point where I'm legally obligated to save, and I'm not, I don't actually take bribes and bribe cards. But but with that said, I do love steaks. So if you want if you want it to support a, a magic designer, nice. uh, steaks like have never been higher. <laughs> Uh,
1: all right, I'll keep that in my back pocket. <laughs>
3: so, you know, you know how a lot of people make these startups that are like, "Oh, we're Uber for X or we're Tinder for X," right? It's like, "Oh, it's like right, the twist on whatever this is," right? Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I just came up with one. It's <laughs> Patreon, but with steaks.
1: <laughs> like some just Omaha steaks show up on your front doorstep from uh, right,
3: from. Right, like, of "Yeah, I, I do." It's like, you know what, Jerry, I love your podcast. I'm going to donate I, two steaks a month Okay, <laughs> make, make sure a that Patreon you can to meals. allow
0: donations of steaks because I, I dig this idea. Ribeyes are better only, though. Ribeyes are better only.
1: Uh, prime prime yeah, sure. rib gets yeah, you a feature a spot. we we'll prime rib.
3: Guys, I'm creating... I, I think there's really something here. I'm creating... In a whole business. Yeah, but i can stakereon.com. <laughs> you heard to hear first stakereon.com. I
1: can help you. I can help you with that IPO. We can go public. We can we can make I see We can't release future. this podcast
0: because of this <laughs> sensitive financial information. We need to uh, keep it under wraps until we oh, release
3: it's the true. company. That's <laughs> true. You know, the best part is we're all laughing about this right now. But if you wait a year, this whoop that's going to exist. So no, I what you about, get on it while you still can't can.
1: One of the our listeners are like, I've been working on this for months, <laughs> and he just told everyone oh, about man. it.
0: <laughs> too good, too good,
2: oh.
3: too good. Come for the magic information, stay for the all. free we business ideas. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Got it all. Oh man.
1: Um, any, uh, any other stories, uh, you got off the top of your head, Gavin? I feel you're just, you're a, you're a well of just awesome insider information in, in the good way. Not in like the stock stock market fixing way.
3: <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I just blew my steak idea. So, true. um, I, you know, I mean, I've got tons and tons of stories. I could tell any number of them, but is there anything you guys want to hear about in particular? Like, is there a set or a, or a card, or a, a sequence of plays, or something for that for the I did on the Pro Tour, or anything that you're just curious about. Because, I mean, I could I could just pick a random one, but it, it's probably going to be more, be more fun if you if you have an idea for where to go. Ooh, oh man. I, the... I, I, how about you each pick one topic, <laughs> and I'll tell a story about that topic.
1: Mm, okay, I want to hear a story about equipment.
3: A story about equipment. Um... Let's see here. Well, he, okay, so here's something. Here's a fun, fun thing about equipment. Um, this isn't design related at all, but I just always found it humorous. So um, it used to be that the band restricted announcements were not lined up to the sets. So they would just happen kind of off time a little bit. So maybe a set comes out in fall, and then the next set comes out in spring, and then sometime between the two there's a banner restricted announcement. And that's just how things work. But we, we never really had to ban a lot of cards, um, especially not in standard. So it was really not not an issue. And we've, we've changed you know our, how BNR works many times until we're at the process that we're at now. But there was a little set that came out called Mirrodin, and then a little set that came out came dark, named Darksteel. <laughs> and some cards had to go. Uh, as it so turns out. I, I remember. And Right. And U.S. Nationals that year fell on a very awkward series of dates where the U.S. Nationals started on the 19th. And the bannings, which included the card Skull Clamp, went into effect on the 20th. So National starts on the 19th. It is a, it's a three-day tournament. And the bannings happen... In the middle of U.S. Nationals, <laughs> so so a lot of the players were just like, uh, "Guys, what's supposed to happen here?" Um, and you know, the, the rules as they officially stand are that you can uh, is that if you you finish the tournament in whatever format it started in. So even though you start on the nineteenth and cards are getting banned in the middle of it. Um, the Skull Comp was legal for the whole tournament and 5th Dawn was not legal Okay, because basically as it turned out just the, way it, the way it worked is 5th Dawn became legal and the same date the Skull Comp became banned this time around I guess um, so yeah it, was, it actually was somewhere toward the end of they weren't synced up yet but it just so happened that they fell in the right place because also believe it or not back in the day maybe you guys don't remember this but a set would come out and it would literally be released in stores, and it wouldn't be legal for weeks. Like, it would be existing. You could buy it on shelves, but it wouldn't be standard legal for, like, two or three weeks or something like that. Um, which was crazy in retrospect, but that's just how it was. Um, so, anyway, 5th on basically became legal when, when um, Skullclamp got banned. And so, uh, this was at Nationals or Worlds or whatever it was. And um, so, all these people in one part of the room were playing their Skullclamp like a crazy affinity decks. And then all the people in the other part of the room were like, great, Skullclamp is banned, we're going to play in our side events, there's going to be no Skullclamps around. So they are playing two entirely different formats. But the thing that's so hilarious to me is that as Skullclamp leaves, the card from Fifth Dawn that comes in (laughs) is Cranial plate. So... So you have all these poor people who are like, finally, the shackles have been removed. I've been liberated from this affinity environment. I'm going to go play in these side events and have this amazing time. And then the players in the know just literally swap out <laughs> four skull clamps for four cranial plates and smash everyone in, in these, like, PTQs and whatever. Uh, that was that was a good time. Uh, that's hilarious. That's amazing. <laughs> so there's a, a 2005 story for you. Uh, that made me think of another story, which I really do love and, and I will tell. Yeah. Um, Now, which is, so uh, U.S. Nationals, um, 2008, maybe 2009, somewhere in there. Uh, So the way Nationals worked is it was half limited, half standard. And uh, this was back after, like, 8th or 9th edition. Um, And the Tron lands were legal. And one of the best decks at the time was Urzatron, an Urzatron power deck. And Gerard Fabiano, a a pro player Mm -hmm. who... You know, got up to shenanigans sometimes. Maybe you're familiar with him. Yep. Um, he, well, could figure out what to play. And the day before, he's just like, all right, whatever. Um, I'm gonna play this Tron deck. This Tron seems to be doing really well. And so he borrows the deck from someone else. He like doesn't have a copy himself. So he just he just borrows all the cards, um, from a teammate. sits down and plays it. Right. So he's um he's three rounds into the tournament, uh, playing three rounds three standard rounds into the tournament. And it's turn four, and he plays his land, and he thinks and thinks and thinks and thinks and doesn't know what, what's going on, or he, he, does, he does, doesn't know what to do, and eventually his opponent's like, dude, look, you gotta make a play. Like, just do something. And Gerard sighs, and he raises his hand, and he calls for a judge. And the judge comes over, and just like, how can I help you? And Gerard turns to him, he's like, judge, look, here's the deal. I borrowed this deck from a friend. The friend has all mismatched foreign antiquities Tron pieces. (laughs) I don't know if I have Urza Tron or not. Can can you tell me? (laughs) He he literally just had no clue if he had Tron active. Because all the Tron pieces in his deck were different arts and they were all foreign. So... So, so, I mean, I mean, naturally, naturally, of course, if you know Gerard, the judge looks like, yep, you've got Urzatron, and then Gerard smashes his opponent because he has Ur- Urzatron in turn four. But the most hilarious part to me is Gerard is 2-0. He's gotten through two rounds of this tournament without having to realize which Tron lands or which. Oh, my
1: God. I've never heard that story before. That is amazing.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Like all Gerard Fabiano stories, you know, you have to take it with, with a grain of salt because, you know, he, he tells a pretty wild story sometimes. But this is one that I believe is, is pretty true. So, uh, yeah, I, I love that story.
0: Oh, my God. All right. I do I awesome. do have one request.
2: Uh,
0: all right. I, so when I first <laughs> yeah, got what's into Legacy, it, to um, it was just after or just, just right at the time when Treasure Cruise uh, was banned. And so I played uh, Blue Red Delver with a lot of Dig Through Time. And I loved – playing Dig Through Time quite a bit. Uh, can you tell me a little bit, of, like, any good stories about the Delve mechanic and how that came up and, like, maybe some iterations that you thought were too good, uh, but still Treasure Cruise was able to get through the cracks?
1: <laughs> I like that slight dig at the end, Bat. For,
3: for me, um, you know, we talked about this R&D some. For, for me, Delve is just, and this is going to be a slightly weird analogy, but just Storm <laughs> Goddess again, which is, like, back at back in Time Spiral... We're like, guys, we mess up with Storm back and Scourge, but we're older and we're smarter now. We are not going to make those same dumb mistakes that the developers did back in Scourge. And then naturally, we make Empty the Warrens and Grape Shot. Right? We're like, oh nope. So it turns out this mechanic is inherently broken. And um, and this time around, Dell was basically the same same thing, but just with more like a, of a dredgy story. You know, like a little dredgy. It's like, guys, guys, we made a lot of like graveyard, you know, cost reduction shenanigans before but we are way smarter than we used to be. We're not going to make any of these mistakes again. Like We can design magic cards that are better. And then it still just got us. You know, um, we, we still ended up printing some crazy stuff. The saddest part to me about Delve, um, the th- thing that I am most sad about is, so mm-hmm. I love Time Spiral Block, as I mentioned earlier. And in particular, while I love Time Spiral, I- I'm pretty lukewarm on Planner Chaos, um, but I love Time Spiral but the set, I really, really, really love his future site like for me as a player, like time travels were my favorite things just in media period, and the idea of seeing alternate futures was like so awesome to me that was really cool to get to see all these different ideas of what could be happening. So I was in on time sp- um, on future site, I absolutely loved it and so one thing that I loved doing is finding places to put reprint cards, uh, in the future shifted frame to be like, oh man, here's the set it was from. We showed this future off all along. It's like my life ambition at Wizards to get everything into a real frame. Like, even like, I don't know, Spellweaver Volute, I'm always looking for the place to put it, right? And, um, ShapeShift was <laughs> Maybe someday I'll get there. It's hard. But, um, uh, but, so, what I really, really, really wanted. Uh, and many people in R&D, Rosewater and a lot of the designers and developers really wanted Tomb Stalker to be in cons of Tarkir block because it, it made so much sense. Um, it was actually could be pretty reasonable. A lot of things not go with it. Um, and ultimately, it sadly just didn't end up working out because of, uh, well, there was some concern about maybe it would end up too strong. And then also mm-hmm. the creature type, like the the demon yes. nature and its name didn't really work for whatever reason with creative, and so we had to nix it. Um but I'm I'm pretty sad that Tomb Soccer wasn't able to get, to get printed. So I guess that's a that's a delve story. It doesn't really <laughs> okay. talk about Dig Through Time or Treasure Cruise at all. Um, it's... but uh, you know th- those cards are basically like yeah we should have a draw spell that draws cards yes, and delves. Well so good. <laughs> okay we'll make that and and we did and it was it was strong. And that's actually a card <laughs> we were like yeah just couldn't see modern play uh, could see, like.
2: like
3: like like we we knew there was a chance that Treasure Cruise was the modern legacy play at the time. We're like oh that's probably cool if they're like playing this card in in legacy and it just ended up stronger than we thought. So that's an example of a card where you know we thought it would hit C play yeah. <laughs> and it did, but just more than we thought. We were a little bit off. To, I mean that, to that's be okay. fair, when
1: Treasure Cruise was spoiled, the legacy community was like, ah, eh, this might be playable. I mean S- right. seven's a lot. <laughs> and then our friend and... and then our friend Bob Wong was like, no, it's not. <laughs> Bolt no, it's not. Days all. delve. <laughs> and... Yeah.
3: <laughs> and, and the card, and you know, for standard, which is where we really try and price cards for, the card was mm-hmm. a cool card that showed up a little bit in standard. Oh, yeah. Uh, well priced for limited. Yeah, it was just crazy in the older form. No, I was will say. Playing. Was I loved
0: it... playing, I was playing or, uh, ahead, a guy Ascendancy combo deck, and I loved uh, Dig Through Time or Treasure Cruise in standard. It was great.
3: I, I will say, from a design perspective, it's weird to me that the set both had Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise. I don't really think that Blue needed to have like two yeah. like big draw spells that were kind of interchangeable that both delved. That, that's a little weird to well, me. It's like, how, um, it's
1: like how Alpha had uh, you know Ancestral Recall and Time Walk. You know, it's, it's cool. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, that's fair. Just you know, it's like there was a lot of conversation about which should I play. And it's like, well, really, we should just you know not done not done both of them. Um, but but yeah, that's that's a. Uh, it's kind of a story about about the delve mechanic. So there was oh man, there was some story I came up with that I was going to tell, based on that, and I just can't remember. Uh, I just can't remember what it was. Oh well. Yeah.
1: So yeah. where where does delve fall on the so-called like storm scale of mechanics that will never be reprinted?
3: I uh, I don't think it's impossible. But I would say it's pretty unlikely we're gonna we're gonna do, do delve. Is it again.
1: above or below dredge?
3: <laughs> it's definitely above dredge. Dredge is, dredge might be the most broken mechanic we've ever, we've ever made. So um, I probably it, there's a higher chance to dredge. I, you know, it, delve is the kind of thing um, where I think we could do it, um, especially like a supplementary mm. product. If we made like an extra delve card or something that we, we didn't feel was gonna be a problem, we could do it there. The problem with dredge is that. So most magic cards have this thing called a mana cost, and we could we can tweak we can up or, you know raise or lower the power of the card based on the mana cost. Even tendrils of agony would probably be reasonable <laughs> if it costs forty mana, right? Um, like 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 there's always a place we can go on on the mana curve, um, but with dredge. The card could literally have no, like, be un, like, ha- have the mana cost of one million or zero, so you, or, or you know, um, non-existent, so you can't actually cast it. And it could have the drawback of when you dredge this, you lose five life. And if the dredge number is still like four, <laughs> it would still be legacy playable. Like, th- th- the card could, the card could do nothing but hurt you and be uncastable, and it would be insane. And to me, that's why dredge is probably the most broken mechanic of all time because it's, it's just you can't even cost it to be reasonable. Like, like, with Delve, if we were to do Delve again, if we were like, okay, we really think this set should have Delve, we should definitely do it here, maybe, you know, we're like, okay, well, we're just going to be conservative on the mana cost, we're going to cost them a little higher, like, two mana higher than we normally would, and we're going to be careful with it this time around. But with Dredge, there's just no doing that. Like, I, I can't ever see Dredge coming back. And even in, like, a Commander set, or a, a Conspiracy-style set, I don't think we'll do a Dredge card, just because Just make sure not to tell Aaron Campbell, so she'll be very upset. Gavin. <laughs> I, you know, I think, th- now, now I will say, I will say that with dred- um we are fine making other cards for decks, and we will make, uh, in, you know, in the course of Magic's history and upcoming sets, there will be some cards that might help out the Dredge deck, although honestly that's not a deck we try to help out too much because it's crazy, <laughs> uh, it doesn't look like, any, like normal Magic, um, But, uh, I, uh, but... We, uh but we're not going to make any more dredge cards. So maybe you'll see some more stuff, stuff that'll help. But you know, when it comes on the flip side, what does dredge want? Well, we want more dredge cards, more free cards that it, for creatures to come into play. and Like another flashback, <laughs> reanimate would be great. Yeah. And uh, it's it's like, d- well, I, I, I don't think...
1: just dredge return copies five through eight would be
3: great. Yeah. It's like well, I don't think we're going to make any more. I, it's really not the return, It's the narcomibas, right? We just yeah. don't make any more Narc amoebas. <laughs> Um, well, so you, guys, we, we learned you our... guys did a new Icarid uh,
1: with what is it? A mob, the one Oh uh, yeah, the zombie. What's
0: it called?
3: Um... Oh yeah, yeah the uh... the shadows guy. Oh, well, I can't think of it. Or the I the Spoon guy? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, the blue black. Zombie. You know, zombie, zombie, well, zombie, blue zombie. Yeah. yeah, that guy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I um, <laughs> I I was talking to a friend. Uh, this was actually pretty recent, within <laughs> the past few months, who said that um he wanted to teach someone how to play magic. They're over at their house and they're like hey can you just teach me how to play or whatever and um, he's like okay uh, sure and he looked around and he only had two decks actually in his whole house that he could teach with and he thought for a while and he's like fine I'll teach you with them. And he taught someone how to play in with the Storm versus Dredge matchup. What? Those are So literally the person's entire viewpoint of what magic is is Storm against Dredge. And the, the great thing is they like really liked it. They liked it quite a bit. And all I can imagine, I, I don't know if it's actually happened or not, but all I can imagine is they, like, went to a Magic tournament to go and play, and we're just, like, shocked. This is not what Magic is about, right? They, like, I just imagine they sit down for, like, a sealed deck event or something. They're like, I don't get it. Like, why would I cast this? Like, I thought those were just, I thought those mana costs were just ornamental. Like, they're decorative, How do I get you know? this in the
1: play? <laughs> how, do I, how do I get this um, in the
3: play? <laughs> It's, just, it's it's so funny to me, someone would try and learn that way, but I guess someone that someone did, so there you go. I uh,
1: I think I have a solution for the problem, though. I think what you guys really need to do is make a card that is both dredge and delge <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, make, make dredge. <laughs> uh.
3: As an additional cost, or to cast this, you may add six mana to your mana pool and put the top six cards of your library into your graveyard. No problem. Yeah. No problem. I,
1: and I think it should draw cards. No matter what else it does, it should also draw cards.
3: Great. Yep. I'll I'll put this I'll put this right into uh, put that in the file the list right in the, right, yeah. right in the
1: spaghetti file right in Rosewater's box. Put so that sure go over very well. I was talking to these guys last night, and they just had this great idea. I'll send you my headshot so you can uh, give it to the artists, so they
3: you know can. Oh no problem. Yeah, we'll put. Don't worry, we'll put your face on the art for the card, and then when everyone complains about but, it, uh, we'll just be like, look, look at the dude is, who's in the that artwork. That is like Jerry's life fall. Find anyway, him.
0: so that's nothing new for him.
3: We'll name the card uh, Gerrymandering, and it'll...
1: That already exists. It's my perfect. it's my sign card. I have hundreds of copies of Gerrymandering.
3: Oh, but you don't, have, you, you don't have one spelled with a J. That's
1: true. That's true. That's my one pet peeve. It's spelled with a G.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, why use real English? Come on, guys. Come
1: on. Yeah, all right. I'm glad we're on the same page, man. It, this is great. <laughs> I'm adding I'm sending you my headshot right now. <laughs>
2: awesome.
1: Uh, and receive. <laughs> uh yeah, sorry guys. I uh I lost my job. Rosewater said there was no place for me. <laughs> oh man. This is this is great. Uh, do we got, do we got anything else? I feel, I feel we have, we've gone over so much, but there's just so much more to do.
0: Yeah. There's, I mean, I would, I was sorry. Good, good I would love to up pick Gavin's brain all good night, but <laughs> it's getting pretty late where I am and I got to work in the AM. Um, but maybe we can have gap, you know, if, if, if you're ever free again, Gavin, we'd love to have you back on the cast at some point.
3: <laughs> I, would, I would be more than happy to guys and i'm i'm for talking about anything whether it's you know if you want to talk about a current set more than happy to or if you guys just want to do an hour and a half of story time with gavin happy to, to oblige if you want if you want to just be like gavin come prepared with a bunch of times for all questions and we'll try to figure them out uh, i feel like oh I, I got that covered i
1: feel this would be the great holiday special story time with gavin <laughs> kind of a yeah. crackle fireplace in the yeah. background crackling
3: fire in the background <laughs> yeah there's a uh, you know, I could tell you all about the the great story of Riftmark Knight, but I will I will refrain. You
1: got to leave the audience wanting for more.
3: Uh, it, it, man, Planner Chaos. So, oh, that, that's a set,
1: Gavin. I'm telling uh, you, you I, need a, in order to fix Legacy. You need a you need a color shift brainstorm.
3: One green brainstorm. That- Do it. Up. That's the thing that'll fix Legacy. It'll okay, fix it. I'm it.
1: telling you, it'll make all the green players the, the, shut the up. The problem,
3: the problem isn't too many Brainstorms, It's too few
1: brainstorm. I mean, as someone put it, it's like, what happens if they ban brainstorm? It's like, oh well, now I play four preordain yeah. and four ponder. Not much has changed. So, I mean, we're already at oversaturation. So, what's another one? You might as well give brainstorm. In fact, color shift it four times. Print brainstorm it, it really in just every be color. Mana. <laughs>
3: Basic Instance-Brainstorm. Instance- brainstorm. That's all it <laughs> Just make them basic, put as many as you want. Yeah. Um, we'll call, we've, got, we've got one for... Oh, we've got, got Grainstorm for green. Or actually white, because of planes. we got Grainstorm. we got Drainstorm for black. Yep. we got Rainstorm for got everything.
1: green. What's what's red? Hmm.
3: Ooh, um, that's good. Oh, that's Rainstorm. why you work in R&D, good man. Good that's why you work for Wizards. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Uh, I you can tell that I name a card Painstorm that I'm not on the creative team, but I'm definitely on the playtest namings team. I've got my current favorite playtest name that I've got. Oh check! Oh I put this one in a few weeks ago. Check check this baby out. It's called Centaur of Attention.
1: does it have the flag bearer mechanic.
3: I I, I will not confirm any of its mechanics, oh, but it is uh, called Centaur of Attention, and I I deeply adore it.
1: Oh that's great. <laughs>
3: Yeah, the playtest name. So, I mean, if, if you're listening along and you don't know. So, w- when we make up magic cards, we uh, sometimes we like to give them a flavorful name that indicates kind of what's going on with them. So, oh, hey, okay. Um, you know, this is going to be something, like, for example, in Ixalan, okay, well, this is a, a pirate, and it's going to be part of, you know, assuming this is legendary pirate, so we'll give it uh, the placeholder name for whatever, whatever the legend is, and we we'll want to make sure it represents that. Or if there's a Dinosaur Matters card, we want to say, oh, okay, this is like a dino fight kind of thing, to give it a flavorful name. Um, but other times when we don't have a good flavorful name, or we just, just want to be cute, we'll give it a ridiculous playtest name. And they, they range wildly, <laughs> depending on who puts them in. Um, you know, the, the everyone has their own style. I love puns, <laughs> so I try to put a bunch of goofy puns on my playtest name cards. Um, some of the developers and play designers really like um, naming things generic names because they're hilarious, like overcosted burn spell. Or, um, you know, Counterspell, Variant, Number 12, or, you know, things like that will be things that they name cards. And then there's people who, like, name cards after the people that made them. Um, so, you know, they'll be like Zack's Mutant Stead of Geopolis, or whatever, because Zach, Zach Hill liked big words. Or, um, or, uh, or I got named, uh, I got a card named after me in one of Ken Nagel's sets called Verhenis One, which is, you know, like the word heinous but with the Verhey in front of it. Um, so yeah, there's we're all a bunch of goofballs. Supposedly. That's awesome. Magic's in great hands, trust
1: me. <laughs> I'm so confident. I'm so confident. Thank goodness, creative. Thank you
3: for bailing us out.
1: Uh, they they take they take it and they they clean it up, you know, they 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 lick their fingers and they run it through your hair to make sure you're all nice for the Jerry, photo. Jerry, don't put your fingers in my hair, okay,
2: okay please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's I'm told that's like what you know, I don't lick my fingers and put them do, like, in my kids' hair. No, I don't normal. do that.
3: No. Oh, no? all right. I remembered. I remembered the story I was going to tell earlier. Yes. I'm glad I remembered it because I think I think this is fascinating. It's, it's not. And this is not so much a story in the sense that it's a story. Um, there's no arc.
1: There's no character development. Where, there's
3: not really a story arc here. It's more informative, but I find it really interesting. What a lot of people I think don't realize, and if you do realize this and you're listening, congratulations. But um, is is how much art impacts our cards a lot of people just think oh you make the cards and the art goes on but that's actually not how it works we, we do them often in unison so i mean a set will be designed for like nine months or so but then we have to start commissioning art for the cards and once art gets back well that art is we have the piece of art we need to use it so if we if we uh, the biggest example with this is flying if we commission a creature and it flies and the art comes back with it. It's flying. It's very important that, that that you know that shows that off. We can't just take flying off the card because then it's it's not going to be obvious when you're playing. It's going to look like a flyer from across the table, and that's going to be a big problem. So art actually really drastically can impact cards, all the way from size to abilities to to color, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, we do have the ability to swap cards around, swap, um, you know, arts around in case we find a different fit, and we do have, you know, a few extra pieces in the budget in case of emergencies, um, but, yeah, art is a big impact for our set, so as things start, start to get locked down, we have this thing to dodge around of, okay, well, we've got this art back um, for this card, we want to tweak it, is this going to fit the art or not? There's some back and forth. Unfortunately, creative is usually pretty lenient, um, but that's also because we we kind of know the playground we get to play in, you know, if, if I commission... Um, A flying creature, I just know, hey, taking flying off is is off the table here. Um, But I I also find that very interesting, because on the outside I would not have assumed that art mattered at all in this process, Mm -hmm. but it really, really, really does, and that's part of why we, um, what helps make our game feel so flavorful, is that we carefully try and match uh, the art to the abilities of the card.
1: I mean, those are some of my favorite magic stories, like how Birds of Paradise was originally, the art for it was originally supposed to be Volcanic Island, and then like, you just kind of put this bird in the middle of <laughs> park pool. We can't use this. <laughs> the right, uh,
3: okay. I make something new here. There you go, right? Yeah, and
1: that's how Birds of Paradise came into existence.
3: Or, 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 you know, on the flip side from the same era as Whippoorwill, the bird shown <laughs> flying that does not have flying, mm-hmm. um, which which we try and avoid where possible. I was just going to say, the, the
0: Hey, a loptholus lemur, or lemur, or whatever it is, and it's like a little furry creature with wings
1: yeah it's like it was supposed to be like a like a spirit an evil spirit from irish folklore and the artist was like oh lemurs i know what those are
2: yeah
1: (laughs) a little furry guys pretty great pretty great uh awesome well i guess what do, do we i i feel do you want to just do our week in Magic later? Unless, Gavin, did you play any Magic this week? I mean, I feel that's a ridiculous question, but did you play any competitive Magic this week? I, <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, I definitely so played are, a good amount of Magic this week. The amount of it that I can talk about on the podcast is, is extremely low. Yeah, so what are, what are the um, best decks in the future, future league? Just
1: run, run them down real quick.
3: Oh, man. You guys you guys are going to love It uh, Me Down. Like Mon- <laughs> Monoblue Blue Homarid's best deck in standard <laughs> right now.
1: Uh, I mean, blue stoppy <laughs> its a thing. Um, uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> we just—we just, we we'll just you guys just skip over that this
0: week, Carrie. I will say that if you want to see a hilarious interaction I had on stream uh, late last week, um, where I got—I know, Pat, you're you internet famous. You made the front page like of Reddit. Two thousand views in this thirty-second clip that someone put on Reddit. It was uh <laughs> oh man, I went like turn three show and tell. I uh, put in uh Emmer cool, and they put in uh I'm playing against like Mono Red Sneak Attack and they put in um uh, what what's it called? Yeah, Ashen Rider. Ashen and I'm like, Rider. oh, okay, all right. Well, that happens, I guess. <laughs> so like, we go turn four, and I draw another off the top. I naturally draw another Show and Tell. I'm like, all right, well, we have Show and Tell Grizzlebrand. Let's do it again. And I go and Show and Tell Grizzlebrand, and they play their second copy in their seventy five of Ashen Rider. And he's like, I just top decked, and he's like, I don't even know how I got. It, <laughs> it was uh, it was hysterical. I mean, we, it didn't cost us the match, uh, but that was pretty fun. Oh, and then last night. On stream, I also uh, was fighting over a uh, show-and-tell. And and they force-willed it. I forced back. They forced back. And then I played uh, my copy of Flusher Storm, and then put two copies on my own original force instead of their their, their second force. Uh, so I forced my own for- I I, I flushed the Storm my own force out of uh, out in the counter war. So that was pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, if you want to see that, I'll put the link in the show notes for the uh, the double Ashen Rider beatdown. It was pretty great.
3: <laughs> uh Storm per- it's, perfectly it's such designed a great
0: card, but like right it, um, perfectly. Yeah, it, perfectly it's, designed it's for just magic like, online there are things that, and like I'm not you know I'm not trying to complain so I, I hope you don't take it this way but there are some things that happen in magic online just by the nature of it being a, a computer game that would never happen in paper like wastelanding my own wasteland or forcing my own spell or fluster storming my own spell or uh, uh you know th- <laughs> to be fair Pat, I was you do say, Pithy needle, Pithy needle, needle I was say, needle needling yeah all the, needle all the time on, on needle. <laughs> It's just things that, like, just wouldn't happen in paper that happen in Magic Online that make it such a funny experience.
3: <laughs> you, you know, it, it, goes, <clears throat> excuse me. it goes the other way, too, sometimes. as you get bonuses. I'll tell you uh, a great story from back when I was a player. So when I was a competitive player, I, um, I played in a lot of Pro Tours, but I wasn't always qualified. And so often I would um, try and PTQ online. And uh, because uh, the PTQs online were... Uh, all-inclusive of the world, there'd be a weird time. So sometimes, you know, we'd have a PTQ at 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. or whatever. And because I was trying to qualify, I would wake up early and play in this PTQ, right? And um, one time, this was back when I was in college, I'd had like an exhausting week at at school. But there's a PTQ at uh, like 2 or 3 a.m. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to get up. I'm going to play in this thing. It's going to be fine. So I sign up for the PTQ. I'm sitting at my computer. You know, it's going to start in like 20 minutes. I close my eyes And then I wake up. I'm like, ah, crap. Like, I slept through this PTQ. I just, you know, spent 30 tickets on this that I totally wasted. And I'm not going to get any of this back. I'm so dumb. And and I look up at the screen, and my opponent won the dice roll. No way. And they timed out. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm pretty sure they also were asleep. That's amazing. So then, then, I went on. I didn't. I, it would have been an amazing story if I'd won the PTQ. I sadly, I did. I did not end up winning that PTQ. I think. I think I, I, think I might have made top eight or something, but I didn't win. But it. it that moment was like, I fell asleep, and I, my opponent was also asleep, and they lost. Best way to win games. That was amazing.
1: Uh, I can just imagine. Imagine that in a paper event, and you just sit down, and the judge comes over, and it's like, uh, "Have you guys started game one?" And both <laughs> <pull your laughs> opponents are just asleep on the table. <laughs>
3: Oh, so here's one of my um, here's one of my favorite magic stories. Um, do you guys know who PTR is? Uh,
1: no, I don't think I do. Okay, so,
3: so he's um he he has since actually since passed. Um, he's not alive anymore. Um, but he was a magic player who some people liked, some people disliked. He definitely got into some antics. And this will, this is one of my favorite stories with him. Is he was at a grand prix. And it was like eleven or midnight. And if you've ever been to a Grand Prix, you know a lot of drafts happen after hours. People just you know finish up the GP and they're just going to just hang out and do side drafts. And he encounters this guy who's um, asleep on um, who's asleep on one of the tables. <laughs> and so uh, PTR Peter Zaghetti, um, he finds a bunch of commons <laughs> and reassembles a board state between him and his opponent. And then once the board state is assembled and the library is set up, he stacks the deck so he's gonna win. And he sets up life life totals and he nudges the other guy. No he's like, way! Hey, it's your turn. <laughs> and, and and the guy wakes up. They finish up playing their match. He wins. He's like, all right, our our team won the draft ship. And then uh, then the other guy was uh, like, all oh right, God, gets up and amazing. walks away. <laughs>
1: That's the best thing I've ever heard. Oh,
3: <laughs> yeah, good man. times. Good times.
1: I like his opponent just didn't question it. He just woke up and it's like, oh, I, I got magic cards in front of me. I, I better be playing.
3: Right, I mean, there's only one logical explanation here, which is that I was playing magic. I mean,
1: And I fell asleep. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. All right, yeah, so we'll get into scoops in the top scoops? eight. So,
0: um, Gavin, I'm not you might not be familiar with it, but uh, every week we do scoops into top eight. It, instead of doing shout-outs like a lot of shows do, at the end we just kind of – it's a, sort of a way for us to show our appreciation for others in the community. Um, Jerry, if you want to go first and kind of give us uh, your scoops in the top eight, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to thank uh, Brendan Muse and Brian Tibbets for – Providing us yes, some Latin yes. translations, uh, we 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 asked around, and I think uh, people really want some beer steins. So we're gonna make them extra sweet. Uh, get some laser engraving, and uh, they translated some sweet magic yep. phrases into Latin for us. We can be all official. Yes, yes. Brian Tibbets
0: of the uh, of the. Oh, now I'm drawing a blank because I'm. It's been a long, long day. Uh, the Tryhards podcast, really, really great podcast. If you're uh, into uh they do standard, uh, modern and legacy uh and limited a little bit as as well so check them out for sure.
1: Yeah, and uh Brendan is I it's either high school or college Latin professor. Apparently a lot of Latin teachers love playing Who legacy. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> it's the L. Exactly. The alliteration. They can't stay away. So yeah. thank you to both of you for uh, helping us out uh, so that we didn't have to use some yes, uh, random Google. Yes, that would have Google turned out poorly because... for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, though one of my favorite memes in the magic community is running magic cards through like 30 uh, Oh, the, the, the Robo Rosewater? Yeah, they come out. <laughs>
0: it...
1: Oh, no, no the Rosewater one the
0: Stone. This is one... that what it is?
1: Yes. Rose, 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 uh, yeah. Rose, yeah, Rose Waterstone. <laughs> yeah. Great name. Great keep it up. Keep it up people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you to
0: Brendan. Awesome. And how about, Brian how about you Gavin? Yeah. Who do you want to scoop top eight this week?
3: Yeah, I would, you know, I want to give a shout out to, I mean, he, little guy you might've heard of and named Cedric Phillips. Um, but so he does a little commentary for Star City, a lot of really good stuff. But uh, last weekend he ran a big charity event in Seattle called Play for oh, Faye, yeah, which where he raised a ton of money for uh, breast cancer, which was amazing. And it was an awesome site. Tons of magic players were there. They had spell slingers, artists. They were running drafts. They were showing off the Pro Tour. It was really amazing. And it was so cool to see someone in the community working with a local store to uh do something for an amazing cause and i thought that was just incredible i was there and it was amazing and i really hats off to cedric and everyone on that team because they did something super cool and i hope that happens more i would love to see that Magic. that is awesome we actually
0: there, course, had a uh it. our own uh charity drive not that long ago one of our uh a friend of a friend essentially um uh down in uh missouri had some issues with uh with medical issues whatever and uh they were trying to sell their decks, and um, one of our friends Zemet on Twitter, he said, uh, "You know, don't sell your decks. Let's do like a charity um, tournament for you." And and we were able to raise a bunch of money through our through our fan base and through our listeners, which was awesome. We did a bunch of uh, raffles and stuff, and yeah, it's it, it's so inspiring to see uh, the community step up and help others in need. So yeah, I totally dig that for sure.
1: Yeah, magic charity drives are pretty sweet. I agree. Man. We should only I see agree. more of them.
0: Um, all right. Well, I'm going to scoop in. I have a couple scoops this week. Um, I wanted to scoop in Jared Darmott. He's one of our newest, uh, Patreon members. Thank you so much for your support, Jared. Um, also, uh, Jerry and I got to stream a little bit, uh, Eve online this week, uh, just for a change of pace in the stream. Uh, he was going to show me around the game a little bit. And, uh, one of the people who stopped in the stream and hung out for a while was this guy, the count who, uh, must be like a multi-billionaire in uh, in the Eve Online economy because he was super super nice. First of all, with a bunch of tips uh, and and tricks for the game, but also like gifted us a bunch of stuff to get us started. So thank
1: you to the count. Yeah, it we was you crazy. A lot of stuff. It was crazy. Like- <laughs> It it was like the equivalent yeah. of like giving you a standard deck just like a tier one standard deck it's like here yeah, you it are was super cool enjoy so, the game. Um, <laughs> I love being able to step into other gaming
0: communities and see awesome you know giving people in there too so just want to scoop them in the top eight.
1: Have you ever experienced EVE online Gavin or as it's more is <laughs> it's more affectionately known <laughs> spreadsheets in space.
3: Yeah I, I have definitely flirted with mini MMOs in, in my day. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah I, I love the stories that come out of that game absolutely it's got some amazing stories oh yeah <laughs> that's some of the best parts but
1: gotta come back to uh you know where where you belong oh Dad. of course of course um,
0: all right awesome so before we get out of here uh gavin if someone wants to talk to you or kind of follow you on social media where's the best place for them to do that
3: Oh well, yeah, uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. You can follow me there. Um, I have a Tumblr, an Instagram. Feel free to add me on Facebook. I'm more than happy to chat with you there. And it's all under my name, because fortunately I've got an unusual enough last name that <laughs> no one else has took it. So uh, Gavin Verhey on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, um, Facebook. You can find me there, and I'm happy to yeah chat with you or uh, you know just... You can stay awesome. in touch with each, with each awesome. other's antics. Sounds like a lot uh, of fun. You,
0: you can find Jerry uh, at J M E 3 R D on Twitter. You find me at Pat Uglow. The stream is twitch.tv slash Pat Uglow. Uh, you can find uh, the links for us on Patreon, on hipsters, the Facebook group, and the email all in the show notes. Uh, Jerry, you got a die first to roll tonight, buddy? I do. Yeah, number uh, six. Oh, good one. This is a good one. Uh, Stephen Chapman requests Liar by Queen. And then he
1: wrote hashtag Packgate,
0: which is a lie. Ooh. That's fake news. But
1: <laughs> I like oh the song. What's it called? That liar. Pat? Uh, liar? Huh. And you're saying it's a lie. No, I'm saying, it's news, I'm saying it's fake news. Suspicious. saying it's <laughs> fake news. <laughs> Suspicious. All right, Pat. Play us out. What's up? It's <laughs>
2: Try and help me, Father, won't you let me in?
3: Hey, is, is, is anyone still here? Okay, th- those guys are gone. Good. Okay, here's the deal. Guys, I'm going to come back on again sometime soon. I'm going to take over the podcast, and it's going to be story time with Gavin. Send your best topics into these guys, and then when I come back on, they'll read them off, and I'll tell stories about them. It'll be a blast. I'll see you guys next time.